0: When you shop online at Alienware.com deals, you'll have access to leading-edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com deals. That's Alienware.com slash deals. What's up, guys? Welcome to the first ever... Episode 59 of the Kind of Funny Games cast. As always, I'm Tim Geddes, joined by the coolest dudes in video games, Colin Moriarty and Greg Miller. And for the first time ever on this show, we have the one and only Jeremy Dunham.
1: Hey! Thank you. Thank you.
0: I feel really, like, honored right now. I feel like I'm in the the presence of, like, some legacy
1: shit going sure. on. Sure. You know? Dunham
2: gave me my job. Yeah, Got me started on all this. You wouldn't even be in the spare bedroom I if woulda- not for him, Tim. It's like this- Grandpa
1: has come home. It's great. And uh, Nick's not even here. That's weird.
0: <laughs> Today's going to be a good show. This one's definitely going to be worth the dollar. And if you believe that, you would know because you're over at patreon.com slash kind of funny games where you can get all this stuff early. And if not, youtube.com slash kind of funny games every week. This show will be broken up topic by topic, day by day, until the full thing is released on Friday. You're doing me proud. Thank you. <laughs> I felt pretty good about that. One intro. day
2: you'll have someone in your spare bedroom. Yeah.
0: And they'll give that speech. I've had, That's like, Kevin. Kevin's given that speech before in your spare bedroom. Yeah. Okay. Kevin said a lot of things in my spare bedroom, Greg. I
2: don't want to know about any of them. Yeah. No.
0: <laughs> so we're going to get right into this. We don't even need a rigmarole. People know what the show is. Sure. Yeah. Video games. We talk about them. We do all that stuff. What are your most anticipated video games? Like oh, we, that's where we're starting today. Yeah. Oh, that's right where we're starting. We well, want to do the top five most anticipated games for 2016. Let's start with
3: you. Jeremy Donald, oh man, my creator of Rocket League,
1: not creator of Rocket League. No. He made Rocket we League should do one on at a style. time and
3: go around the table. I think okay. that'd be more fun. Okay. Personally, I, I that's I, a good call.
1: I don't have them in particular order, so
0: are, yeah, are we in ordering them? Should no, order them? no, let's just throw okay. them out there because I have a feeling there's gonna be a lot of overlap. And if there is overlap, Colin had the idea that we should come up with more than five, so we. Can I handle, have ten, like... so there's no overlap. Okay, okay. I got a whole.
3: Personal. we'll be. Fine.
1: Uh, well, the first one for me is the division. I have been mm-hmm. waiting for that game for a long time. It looks great. A lot of people at work are anxious to play it. They're involved in the beta. Uh, I just I love the atmosphere. It's basically like The Last of Us in a giant multiplayer setting. So I think for me that that is the most intriguing multiplayer game uh, outside of Rocket League that I've seen in a while. Uh, I just like I, because there's there's that undertone of of story going on, even though it doesn't really have a story. Which by the way, it's a Tom Clancy game. Mm-hmm. Story would be good. There's a
2: story. You get to play single player yeah, and run but, around and do stuff.
1: Yeah, but it's. Um, I don't know. It's there's I, there's a certain point, and again, I'm old, but there's a, a point in my life where I just expected a lot of narrative on, sure. on all my single that's, player. That's games. faded away, though. Yeah. You know what I
2: mean? Those that that is you know I being yeah. old school. I mean, that, yeah, yeah, that's not how it is anymore. My number one was the division as well, and I think it's stupid that we can't do it. So I'm just going to talk with Jeremy during his. <laughs> you can talk. You can do that. His, I just you feel go. like you no, no, just it's talk fine. No, give give five honorable mentions as always. It's I will. Cool. I will it's give cool. honorable mentions yeah. to anything it's that's like, not. It's like, and I like that you have ten on your list. You're going to go through all ten of them, of course. You're not just going to. We'll see. We'll see what happens. No. Uh, I mean, that's what I'm stoked about for the division is the ability to go in there and play by myself and mm-hmm. earn XP and grind out this character, and then yeah, take him into the dark zone and go play with friends and go see what Scott Lowe's up to
1: or whatever. You know, kick yeah. it around. Yeah, I I just like the fact that it's yet another post-apocalyptic game, but it's a different take on it. And I actually like I like games that take familiar tropes and then try to do them in a different way, especially yeah. bringing in something as uh, as fun as multiplayer is if you have the right group of people. Sure. Um, and that's what
2: it is for me. Like, you know what I mean? Like I think when I look at this, it seems like the destiny I would have wanted third Mm. person in on earth. You know what I mean? Like I don't like space. You know what I mean? All these fake purple people, whatever. But in New York, in this post-apocalyptic world, sure, of course, I'm in for that. And in third person, you know what I mean. I'm gonna remember Make that. My character I'm girl. gonna
3: remember that you don't like space when one of these games comes up that inevitably happens. You know space. it. Oh,
0: you, well, <laughs> I, I've said this before. There's exceptions to the rule. Mm-hmm, I'm sure you, that's just I. I'll never understand that. I get people not liking certain things, and you're know, right. not liking fantasy or not sure. liking this or that, but not liking space just as a general idea is kind of kind of weird. Takes it out of you. you. just like oh, look at are, this guy who speaks my language, but isn't is a
2: floating squid. Cool. But, you but your like... favorite. Superhero is an alien who came to Earth and adopted the United States in, in middle in middle of America values and identifies himself more Clark Kent than Superman. When Superman's an alien and Kryptonian, that's when I lose interest.
1: You wouldn't like my my game idea then. What's one of the game one? ideas that uh, I've been half joking pitching around the office is to do a real time space travel game. So uh, you it takes just, nine years to get to <laughs> <one>. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's it's really just stars and you're just launching from the Earth and you're you're taking off and getting as far as you can, but it's real time. Okay. So uh, it's basically a race to see you can get to the moon first and then Mars and keep going. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a terrible idea, but it's... So in- <laughs> Sounds it, a little bit like Darsus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, oh, but terrible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. Like how even you don't like the idea. <laughs> no, I don't. I just like to bring it up because a part of me thinks that somewhere out there somebody actually might be interested in that kind of game, especially if you made it kind of social and you put some leaderboards. How far did you make it? The, the, the awesome thing would be I say awesome in quotes is that if you made a certain point and you get hit by space debris, you have to start over again. That to me, I think, would be the ultimate in, in proving people's dedication and to see just how nuts they are. Yeah, it's probably it's, just me it's not next a crazy, level, it's not a crazy even idea. Yeah.
3: By the way, the division I think is a great choice. Yeah, I'm excited to get our codes and start playing it as soon as possible. Don't know when they're coming through, but um, the game looks awesome. I will not probably be playing it online very much. I might try it a little bit online, see like how it is, but I agree with you. I think the setting and the story, or at least the perceived story, or the suggested story is very cool in New York City in, in perpetual Christmas mm-hmm. because of the Black Friday and plague huge. or whatever, and it's and it's yeah it's it looks like it's all of Midtown Manhattan, so it's several miles and I don't I think it's cool. I mean, a lot of games when you really when you really step back and think about it, a lot of games actually don't take place in New York, so it's it's like you know it's cool to have uh, post apocalyptic New York. Post apocalyptic New York is 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 ripe for storytelling, and uh, so I mean, I'm excited about it too. I hope it's good, and I think it it's going to be for years.
1: Exactly, yeah, yeah. Your turn.
0: I mean, I'm just gonna steal you all, motherfucker. Uncharted Four, <laughs> of course. Like the, the thing is, I you know, making my list. It is the number one <laughs> that I'm most anticipating, and sure. I think it's because it's it's soon. We know that it's actually coming, so it's like, yeah, I can talk about Kingdom Hearts or I can talk about these games that I've been waiting for for fucking years. But it's like, yeah, right. You know, this is something that I know is gonna come, and I know I'm gonna love. Like I feel like. Did I'd, you watch the story trailer today? Yeah, I did. And I'm super stoked. Looked awesome, right? Yeah, it's yeah. like this is that's exactly what I want. That's it's what like, I want, as bad as that game can be, that's still amazing. Like I I can't imagine the game not being, you know, it's going to be exceptional. Everyone, yeah, exceptional. Way. Like that's the thing It's like at worst, it's exceptional. So I'm like I'm super super stoked for it. I'm excited that it's soon and that like yeah. it, we're getting to the point where it's like what two months away now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, April. That, that's like man, we're we're about to hit that. Yeah. It's been a while since I've had a game that I've been like. A triple A, a AAA game that I've been like super stoked and super excited for. That's like, why I'm I so playing, like, fire emblem and all that stuff. I'm sad, not... you know
2: what I mean? Like today during the trailer, like when it kicks up with the music, like haunting, like yeah. i sing a "Whisper on the Wind." Like it got me like sh- like not choked up, but mm-hmm. I you know sad that it's almost over, that this is the end of Nathan's story, and that we've been around this long. And you watch the thing, and I thought it was you know surprising they put Elena with the baby, and they showed her with the baby on her hip. <laughs> but uh. <laughs>
0: It was exciting. You it was what I want. Like you spoil, you spoil Golden Abyss for me? You're gonna do that? Yeah, sure. I uh, like seeing all the characters. Uh, like, I like that there was so many characters that we don't know who they are. Yeah, I exactly. Think that's something that Uncharted's so good at is each game has its kind of cast. Yeah, and everyone loves Uncharted for the characters, and I, I think that that's not just the the main characters, but it's also the supporting and the, the yeah, your cutters, your Chloe's. Exactly. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. like I, I like that. It's not just the same people. Again, maybe they'll make appearances here and there. But I like that there seems to be a new cast. It looks like it's it's a hookup to
2: Drake's old life, right? What him and Sam were up to before. And, of course, it looks beautiful. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, even those quick montage moments today, I was like, shit, that looks better than you'd expect it to, and you expect it to look awesome. Exactly. What about you, Greg? Opening my list here. Now Since I can't can't double up on anything. You can double up on it. I'm just trying to introduce more games. Number one was The Division. Number two was... Uncharted
3: four, but, but wouldn't it be number more in- three. Wouldn't it be more interesting to talk about more? Number games? three,
2: which is my number one, is Persona five. Mm. My number one pick now is Persona five. Can't wait for Persona five. Got a little tuxedo mask. Got to run around because that's the thing. I love Persona four, of course. Jeff mm. Haynes, of course, started me down this path yeah. with Persona three. Yeah, yeah, um, literally. And now to see it build, build, build to this point where Persona 5 is going to be fucking huge. It's going to be insane to watch this game come out and dominate people and have them be so into it. But even when we saw that first trailer for Persona 5, it wasn't what I was expecting it to look like, right? I'm so used to Persona 4. I'm so used to Persona 3 to see it when you're running around and you're from chandelier to chandelier and it's like this mix of Catherine's, you know, visuals, but obviously up-res and this, that, and the other. And you're running around like the style of the trailer and it's, I'm like, fuck yeah, this is going to be amazing. Because that's another thing, like, I like, I'm I can't wait for Uncharted, obviously. Uncharted more of what I want. Persona is more than a, of what I want. And the thing about it is like Uncharted is going to be done in a weekend. If that. You know mm. what I mean? Like we're probably going to get it and I'm just going to destroy that game. Yeah. Then I'll come back and destroy it for the Platinum or whatever and then you know be sad that it's all over. Whereas Persona is going to be with me for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. You know what I mean? Because that's It's going to be long. Yeah. <laughs> As always. I feel like
0: the game's been really quiet. We haven't had yeah. anything for a Which is good. Long I want time.
2: that. I don't need to know anymore. You know what I mean? It's Persona. It looks cool. Alright. Great. Hit the date this year. Yeah.
3: They'll hit it. They'll come out this year. I know.
0: All right, Colin. Bust it out.
3: Glasses. It's time. It's my favorite part of the show. <laughs> Mass Effect Andromeda, which Greg is not allowed to be into in because he doesn't there. like space games. I now, I'm Colin. I don't like superheroes. <laughs> Batman's cool. I like
2: Batman. I like Dark Knight Rises.
3: We made the moment. caveat that mm-hmm. I like Batman. Mm-hmm. I, di- I, you know that I like Mass Effect. You know that Mass Effect Andromeda
2: was number five on my list. Mm. Of three. Uh,
3: now, I'm not convinced that Mass Effect Andromeda is actually going to come out this year. I hope it does. Of course not. Uh, but... Uh, I- I'm super excited to see what they do with Mass Effect. I think Mass Effect 3 was a fantastic game. I think the games got better. I know that's not a, a very popular opinion. Um, but I do miss the role-playing components of the original Mass Effect. I think that there were a lot of babies out there that complained way too much about the original Mass Effect and had a lot of that shit stripped out of, the, out of Mass Effect from Mass Effect 2. Mm-hmm. Mass Effect was a game all about the minutiae. It was all about the little things and uh, that stuff was really removed and we know that the make goes back in the game and we know all this kind of stuff that's different now, I think. I think we've like, heard a bunch of interesting things about it. So, early at least those were the compelling rumors um so i want to see how the game does and what the story is going to be and ultimately as i've said before i am convinced this trilogy will connect back to the original mass effect and back to this galaxy and there will be some sort of um story component that will connect the two series um whether or not saves can be crossed over whatever i don't know like what's going to happen i don't think saves
2: can because that'll be that would be the telltale sign you know what I mean? Right. Be, but they might not head. do
3: that kind of stuff until maybe the third game. And then say, so like, go back and maybe carve out some other shit. Or what choices did you make similar to the Wii U version of the game when you couldn't? Or, or the PS3 version of Mass Effect 2. Because we didn't get Mass Effect One until later, um, but I uh, I'm super interested to see like how the series evolves, but how it also goes back to its roots and like really gets back to being a role playing game again. Because that was one of the unfortunate things, is that even though the game I think mechanically got better, I think the story was very good. I loved how the game the original Mass Effect you know or Mass Effect Three started you know on Earth and you go to a lot of familiar places um, and, and Earth being destroyed basically in the in the very beginning of the game. Spoilers for anyone who's played Mass Effect Three, you've had plenty of time. Um, you know I want them to get back to the roots of what made it a role playing game. And not having a finite amount of experience as you did in Mass Effect 3. And not having um, kind of stripped out systems that I think cater to more of a, a casual gamer. And I don't think that's what Mass Effect was about. And I don't mean that as an insult. I just mean that we need it to be a role-playing game. Again. And I hope that they they do that. So I'm super interested to see how it's been incubating for a long time. I think the game's going to be very vast. I think it's going to be very grand. Um, super excited about it. Just hoping it hits this year. But I just don't know if it's really going to or not.
1: First Mass Effect is still my favorite one it was the clo- it, was, it was it was such a traditional bioWare RPG when it came out it just reminded me of all the other ones that they had done just in space mm-hmm, your favorite, your favorite mm-hmm. place um but i don't know andromeda i think even though i'm looking forward to it it doesn't make my top 5 list simply because uh i'm so far behind i still haven't even played 3 and so i want to get. oh sorry in. i spoiled the it frame it's it's all right i was ignoring it it's on you. earth uh but <laughs> um but there's this weird part of my brain that shuts off that if I haven't played a game in the series that I, I'm not allowed to look forward sure. to the next one sure. because I'm afraid that I'll ruin the experience that I haven't had yet, as bizarre as that sounds. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to look forward to that game because I've always liked the universe and I like the characters and I think those guys make fantastic RPGs, but I just, I've just i got to wait. So I, I probably won't be able to catch up with you until two years from now or so. You know, fair it's enough. i have to play three.
3: Last Factor, I'll be interested to see what you think of three. It's a very divisive game. Two so so fantastic, I think from a storytelling perspective that I think some people were really hard on three, but I do think it's a situation where it's a hard game to follow up. But I think if you really look at it, like from a bird's eye view, it's a it's a better game. It's just on a systems level, it's not a role playing game anymore at all.
2: Mass you know? Effect Two is the best I thought, and I hope they go for that for the Andromeda.
0: What's next on your list, Jeremy?
1: Outlast Two. Ooh. Ooh. That's a good choice. I love horror games in general. I just they take me to another place that other games usually don't and uh, those guys really know how to make horror games very very well mm-hmm. um i a part of me wishes i was saying pt but I, yeah I don't know. <laughs> uh, but the they fantastic of at the atmosphere i love the fact that they're going to a more traditional scary place like out, outside in the woods that's really interesting to me mm-hmm. um i i love the style they have and and even though it's it's sort of established with all the night vision all that it's been used in a lot of other games they do it very very well and I love the fact that they even me someone who's been watching horror films since I've before I could talk uh, literally the second film I ever saw was Halloween first one was Star Wars second one was Halloween my god uh, yeah, it explains a lot. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but the that even that has me feel moments of tension mm-hmm. and uh genuine jump scares. I think that's a, the sign of a really good horror game. So that's one of the reasons. one of the games I'm really looking forward to simply because it's one of the games that actually works. Yeah, Just like Until Dawn worked for me last year. It was, it was a fantastic game. I'm really looking forward to that one this no, year. No, that's great, horror. man.
0: Outlast 1, uh, it's it got the pacing right to horror and to to the jump scares and to the actual the mix of gameplay versus just kind of like Atmosphere and Mm -hmm. I definitely it's on. I'm excited for Outlast too as well. It's
3: not on my list, but yeah, I'm good. The original Outlast I thought was clever, um, which is the best word I can think of it think to explain it because you're right. Like the using the the night vision mechanic through the camera, I think was kind of a a really cool thing and capturing scenes that you didn't know you're supposed to see for trophies or just to be a completionist whatever That was yeah. really cool the story components were cool it did suffer from a lot of what I think a lot of horror and good thrillers suffer from which is a bad ending of course um, I don't I, it's hard for them to wrap this shit up in a way that's compelling to people like the build up is always you know even until Dawn suffered from that but like yeah.
1: You know, I just wish it ended differently. But I don't know how I would have ended it any differently. All horror, all horror games, in my opinion, and most horror movies, if not all of them, are always going to have that problem forever. Because one of the things that works really well with horror is the less you know, the more effective it is. And in games where you're forced to give people some context and background to keep them involved for longer than an hour, you keep you keep having to explain things and show things that you now your imagination is no longer filling in the blanks. Now you're now you're finding out specifically what the the creator wanted, and if it doesn't jive with what you want it in your head. It kind of takes away from that experience. Sure. So I think that that's always going to be that's that's one of the things that I go in with all horror games is knowing like, well, they're probably going to have some moment in the game where I'm ruined by the fact that whatever direction they went isn't the way that I would go. But uh, I, I I just love the fact that I, I can still be caught up in a particular moment. And that that moment, well, that, the memory of that moment overshadows everything. Like, the first time in the first atlas when you're first going up the window and you you get in and a couple seconds later you turn that hall and there's that jump scare you're not expecting because up until that point it's quiet and eerie that one little that one little moment still is memorable to me uh, even though the there's much bigger game beyond that just simply because of uh, of that one way that it hooked me and so i i think that's that's the way i approach horror games is what are the moments that really kept me coming back like the dog through the window in resident evil and mm. and uh The first silent hill when you're walking down that alley and the camera changes just so uncomfortably and you're like, what the hell's going on? (laughs) Right before the babies start running out. So yeah, that's that's what uh, what it is about horror games that I enjoy.
0: My favorite genre is and will always be platformers, specifically 2D platformers. So Cuphead coming Ah. in number two. It it was a race between that and Uncharted for number one because I'm really excited for Cuphead. The one thing. That I'm waiting to see is if it's only boss battles or if there is more actual platforming sure. to it. And like I, I, people keep telling me like, oh, they show platforming stuff, but I haven't seen any of it anywhere. So I think it is just boss fights. But um, even if that's true, like I'm still so stoked for it. I love the look of that game. I love the like the whole the whole point of it. The whole the what their their goals are. It seems like they're just nailing. So I'm very very excited to finally actually play through that thing. I like, like how it looks. Soon.
2: Love the style looks way I, I from the playing of it i'm just like this is way too hard like i just won't enjoy this i'll get frustrated and stop really early. see i, think I it's wish them be a the good best. level
0: of frustrating like, i think it's going to be like the type of because I'm, I'm not calling when it comes to games where like i don't want like the hardest thing in the world but i think the cuphead it's going to be very trial and error yeah and you're gonna play the boss fight 20 times before you, you figure win. out the pattern but and what that doing. is the gameplay and i think that they're gonna because they know that they're gonna really focus on making sure that it's fun and that it's it's the good frustrating, not the bad frustrating. So it's the type of frustrating that you you lose 15 times, turn it off,
3: come back the next day, and your third time in beat it. And you're like, yes. It all you clicked.
0: Know? Yeah. So I'm very excited for that.
3: Yeah, what's more sad? I mean, first of all, Cuphead's art is awesome. What a great novel idea mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. for a game. And I think that even though games weren't around in the 30s, which is you know in the, in the 20s when this is really kind of based or like this art style is based, <laughs> it does seem uh, congruent with a hard game. I, I I don't think Cuphead can be anything but brutally hard. That's, that's why I like... I like it. I do like games that are hard. I like boss fights. You know, I remember being a kid and playing some platformers like where the game would like, bring you to tears. It was so hard. Like, and I like that kind of shit, like where I'm like, because it's satisfying. Who wants to play a game that's easy? Who fucking likes easy games? It's so boring. You know, like, like, give me a game that's that's hard. Ramp up the difficulty and challenge me. I'm not here to like, you know, fucking twiddle my thumbs, you know, like, like annoy me a little bit if you have to. You know, but just, but the, you're right, the satisfaction of getting through a difficult 2D side scroller boss fight. I'll never forget, um, especially at the end of Castlevania 3, the boss fights get insane. And when you're fighting Dracula at the end, like, you, you, you're you like, how the fuck can you even beat this? You know, <laughs> like, and like, but like, you continue on it, then you beat Dracula, and then you realize you have to fight him again, and you like lose your mind. But like, when you finally see that ending, it's just satisfying. You know, it's like, compare that to Castlevania 2 where you're fighting Dracula at the end and you just destroy him in 2 seconds with a flame whip and it's like very anticlimactic and the game's all about speedrunning basically. Different you
1: know? type of game though because Castlevania 2 was uh, was sort of like where you're collecting all these mm-hmm. different items and powering your character up over a lot of, a lot of uh, exploration. So the idea behind that game was you've already paid your dues so just spending a lot of time powering yourself up and getting there. But I actually I used to be of the same mind but then as I get older and I have less time I now I don't want hard games anymore and now I want games that I can sit down and enjoy in a small amount of time and feel like I progressed somewhere like in the past when when uh, we were still in the media together uh, I I loved hard games I reviewed uh, Devil May Cry 3 and uh, that game on hard mode was crazy and I loved that stuff but now when I've only have an hour of play time I want to be able to sit down and feel like I've gone through an entire chapter of something or two levels of something and uh, so to me, time is the great enemy of a difficult game, and that's why uh, when it first came out, I loved something like Alien Hominid. And now, when I sit down on my daughter's show, interested in wanting to play Alien Hominid because I see it in my library, I'm like, I, I don't want to play this right now because <laughs> 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 we're not going to get very far. Yeah. Right. And uh, I, I just feel like uh, time is so valuable now that hard is 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 in the way. But Cuphead, ironically, Cuphead was also on my top. that's great I mean it
0: reminds me of Shovel Knight a lot where Shovel Knight's hard but it's not hard yeah Shovel Knight could
1: have been and should have been way harder I think but But yeah I
0: I enjoyed what it was like to me that's perfect I think Cuphead's gonna be a similar vibe to that where maybe a little more challenging because it's more boss focused than you know just platforming but I I like it where it's challenging not brutal
3: right yeah no I respect that and not every game has to be like that you know you're not Mm -hmm. playing Gone Home for any difficulty you're playing it for the experience so I think that there's something different to that and I like games that have scaling difficulty so that you don't have to worry about those kinds of things i always ramp up my call of duty campaigns to veteran because I, I think it's the most interesting that way but to your point this year i haven't even played the new uh, uh, call of duty yet and i'm actually just played on normal or just to get it out of the way because mm-hmm. i know i don't have the extra 10 hours that that's going to add on to it as, as i crawl <laughs> pixel by pixel or you know frame by frame through these fucking stages cause i can only get hit once you know so <laughs> oh, it's yeah. like so you know i get you but like for this kind of game, particularly, like I just think that 2D side scrollers and difficulty go hand in hand, and I want them. I want them as hard as you can make them. You know, like that's good stuff. I want, I want a game. I want a, ga- a game that I know uh, that I think I can't beat, and that just doesn't happen anymore. I know I can beat these games, and I want a game where it's like I don't know, man. Like I haven't, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't encountered a game like that in a long time. Like we always talk about, like Battle Toads or something, A World at War, Call of Duty World at War mm-hmm. on Veteran was fucking impossible. You know, like like it was just impossible that people have done it, but like <laughs> I did it. The grenade spam in that game and the monster closets in that game are insane. Yeah, I and and the videos of people on YouTube just run, running through the stages to hit the next checkpoint, not even fighting anything. It. It's the funniest shit I've ever seen in my life. I, it's so hard.
1: I have OCD, in uh, someone say severely, but the, I have to get all of the achievements in a game or trophies in a game if I'm playing it, or at least attempt to. And that was one of them. So I that that was me. I kept trying to run through the checkpoints when I was going for that in uh, World of War and I never got them because they had they had uh online achievements that were mm. messed up. So I never even got it. But in my head I was going through it and I it was a nightmare. I it, hated it. And it that was, was one yeah. of the games that pushed me over the edge. That's <laughs> the last that's the last game
3: I think I played for trophies where I'm like I can't. I can't. Like I remember like the grenade icon would appear and then like five more grenade icons would appear and then like yeah. another grenade and then, like and then just everything just explodes I'm like what are you supposed you to You couldn't be? move. It was so, like, it was so I'm badly stuck. programmed in that respect. Yeah, but I digress. Greg
2: Number five. Which is really my number two. Got it. Okay. Because of your restrictions. Tennessee? Uh huh. Lego Dimensions, the next generation. Whatever comes after May 10th. That's all we know. May 10th, wave five comes out. What's wave six? Is it Lego Dimensions two? What else is happening? We've been promised that our portals will work for three years. I am I, I am ready to see what happens next. Harry Potter. Guaranteed. It has to be, you know what I mean. But do they put out another disc, or is it just more level packs with Harry Potter and stuff in there? How are they gonna play this one? Very interested at the business model, you know. And you know what I am here. I am gonna say clearly, Ghostbusters is a huge Lego success. I got the firehouse in the room. I got the Ecto one out there. I got the level pack out there. Kevin and I dressed as Ghostbusters and played it. They were in the game, right? What does this mean for this female Ghostbusters crew? We've already seen the the little mini figs of them out there. We've seen the Kev- their Kevin, not our Kevin, their Kevin riding the little Ecto 2. What does that mean for Lego Dimensions or any Lego game, period? What does Star Wars mean for Lego Dimensions? I thought when Disney bought up all this stuff, put out Disney Infinity, put Star Wars in Disney Infinity, I'm like, well, no more Star Wars on Lego ever again. <laughs> and then here we are, Force Awakens, Star- Le- Lego game. So what does that mean now for getting them in the Lego Dimensions? Is it possible? Mm-hmm. Am I allowed to dream that that might happen? You want that BB-8? I want BB-88. You said it wrong. I want Watto. I want Kylo Loren. I want all of my favorite Star Trek guys in this game yeah. ready to go and uh-huh. do their thing. Uh-huh. And I, I don't mind if they're just level packs. That's fine. That, that, it's just what could possibly be coming is the excitement here. You know what I mean? What the fuck could else happen? Because we've had so many good things. It was successful. We saw it do well. What does it mean now? What's the next level pack?
1: I'm excited for the future of Lego Dimensions in 2016. Well, it's it's, It's Warner Brothers. They have a lot of stuff in there. So. Yeah,
2: but I mean, like, the thing is, I'm, I'm surprised. Like, the big thing is, and I saw, if you saw this on Twitter, Neil Druckmann was playing Lego Dimensions and said, how do I get Uncharted in it? And I hooked him up with TT Games. Will that go anywhere? Who the fuck knows? But Uncharted in Lego Dimensions? Come the fuck on. You kidding
0: me? That'd be cool.
1: Yeah. I think you'll see Suicide Squad. Simply because it's <sighs> oh, WV yeah. and... Uh, or at least some of the characters, they might not want to use the phrase "Suicide Squad" sure, on, yeah, on yeah, a yeah. kids game, but you might see like Harley Quinn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well,
2: Harley's already in it, not movie version. Right, movie that, version. that's the big thing is like uh, being a big you know comic book nerd and everything DC nerd in particular is that yeah I hope they do. Where all right, cool, and there's also we already have the DC universe. There's already a DC portal to get in, but now here's the DC cinematic universe, mm-hmm. and yeah, that's when you can put Aquaman, Batman, all these different guys all that in there. stuff, yeah, armored Batman stuff.
3: Yeah, I will fucking lose my mind. <laughs> Calling him. Horizon Zero Dawn yep. uh, is definitely a game. I think this will hit in 2016. I think this is going to be the big fall game on PS4. And 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 um, what can be said about it? They've been real quiet about it. I think that's good. We have a little bit more to learn about it. We don't know what, how the systems work. We don't know how customization works and what the world really looks like and how the flow of the game goes. But the, the combat that we've seen so far is dynamic uh, the story is very interesting. A synthesis of a world that has died with a world that is like reverted back to like almost a caveman or stone age technology. But they have like these metal robots walking around. No one can explain what the hell is going on. It looks it's awesome. It looks fucking really dope. I think that this is going to be Gorilla's really coming out party in terms of like what they're really capable of because I think Killzone is fine, but I think it's, um, it's held them back. I think that there's a lot of stagnation at that studio. I think that there was probably a lot of energy to do something different. They have not made a game that is not Killzone since like NAM 67, which I think came out like 12 <laughs> years ago. So. It's like, you know, let them let them breathe a little bit and let them do the thing. I don't think we've seen the last of kill zone, but I think that we um, are going to see something super interesting from them. And they hired the writer of New Vegas. Uh, so it's clearly going to be very quest based, which I think is very exciting. And I'm interested to see if this game's long. I'm interested to see if this game's dense. My, my, my assumption is that this is going to be a very Far Cry like game in terms of its size and its scope, which I think is going to be just fine. Um, so it's not going to be like The Witcher or Fallout, um, which is fine. Uh, but, I'm you know, the, the, we only saw one portion of the game those little dinosaurs that you have to like kind of get some scrap off of and then you fight that big dinosaur creature. Um, and I saw behind closed doors and they showed it, you know, uh, you know, Paris. to everyone in Paris and, and at E3. And like, they show you just different ways to do that part. And I think that that's really cool. And I hope the whole game plays like that. So that, I think that I like, so I think Horizon's going to be really big. Like, I think that if horizon um, turns out the way it should turn out and is what it is, in this period of open world games and this period of third person role playing games being very big, um, this could be the next Uncharted in terms of like a huge franchise for them if it is as good as it seems like it's going to be. And they have to really nail that. And so I think that they should take their time and not hit 2016 if they don't think they're going to be able to do that. But I'm so excited about Horizon. I think that this is like this is a huge trump card for them mm-hmm. uh, over at Sony.
1: Looks fantastic. I love the art style and I like the fact that they are doing something other than Killzone because yeah. there, there you get stuck when uh, you get stuck doing the same game for too long and you, you just feel like you're creatively stifled. At Zipper, when, when I was there, we had, the studio had been working on nothing but SOCOM games for a long time, and then we moved on and did MAG, and even though MAG wasn't a huge departure from SOCOM, it was different enough to where it felt like a completely completely different game. And it was in a lot of respects, but it was still military-based and themed sure. and shooter. But just being able to, to stretch your your legs in uh, any creative sense whatsoever after working on a franchise so long usually brings such an excitement to it that it's hard. It's hard to hold it back. And that usually gives you really good results in the type of game that you get. So I'm really excited to see what they're going to bring forth. The game looks awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited about it too. I, when I saw that trailer, uh, the, when they first revealed, I was like, I want that game. Yeah, I want to play yeah, that game. Yeah.
0: I'm not an open world guy. I'm like, that doesn't look like my type of game, but that looks like my type of game, which excites me. I remember seeing the trail and I was like, this looks fucking cool. And it also doesn't look too big. I'm like, this looks manageable and I like it. I'm going to die. It's
2: going to be interesting to see when you get on that
1: map and get quests and how it all works out and where it
0: goes. Yeah. What's next on your list?
1: I don't know if it qualifies because I don't know if it's coming out this year or not. Um, But because, you know. I don't, I don't have, I'm not up to date on the release dates as I used to be, but uh, Detroit. Used to be a walking database. Yeah, yeah, I used to know <laughs> all of them before, uh, but that's because I looked at them all the time and sure, I, yeah, I, yeah. I would create the list for you guys like a weirdo. Um. But uh, Detroit Becoming Human, mm. or Become Human, shit mm. to me looks really cool. I, I love story-based games. I love, um, I, I love games that put you in a character and say, now experience it through their eyes. They're not, it's. Because a lot of games nowadays, they put you like Fallout, and they, they, they put you in a world where you're essentially the character, and you're you're and you're changing how everything happens. And this one, in in that game, I have some really good storytellers putting you in a very good looking uh, environment, telling you to experience this, albeit familiar story of the robots versus the humans. Um, but it just looks really intriguing to me. I like the fact that they're uh, I don't know they pulled on the right heartstrings for me when I watched sure. the trailer, the extended trailer that they released last last week. Uh, I just brought my wife. I'm like, Check, take a look, at this. look at this. <laughs> this is this is that demo we saw of Car from yeah, yeah, yeah. from forever and, ago. For, <laughs> yeah, however long on PS3. Yeah. yeah um. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that game to me, I think, especially coming off of Beyond Two Souls, which I thought was not the strongest I game compared them, to thought, Heavy yeah, Rain. Yeah. yeah, I would really like to see where that game goes because, um, those guys know what they're doing. Uh, I way back when I reviewed Omicron, the David, the David Bowie game that they worked on. And uh, I was a fan of that. And so they, they definitely know what they're doing. Um, and I, I'd like to see what they can do, what they've learned from Beyond and what they've also taken from the success of Heavy Rain and see if they could put those two things together and come up with a uh, It looks like a great idea.
2: I hope it's a return to form. You know what I mean? Because it, 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 from the Kara trailer, right, we were all like, mm-hmm. that was a cool idea. And they're like, oh, not even maybe. Maybe it's a game. Maybe it's not. We don't know. Like, you know. like, okay, well, make that game. And then they you know, did, and here we are. And I hope it delivers on what we want it to be.
1: It's proof that David Cage knows what how to pull... The right emotions, though, because that's uh, for the original Kara uh, demo—the seven minutes, eight minutes, however long it was—did a great job of putting you in this character's shoes and understanding her her fear of getting disassembled yeah. and of realizing that she's alive and coming back again. Yeah. So, yeah. to me, that 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 seven minutes shows that he, that guy knows what he's doing and that team knows what they're doing. Uh, so, I have confidence until I am proven otherwise, sure. and I am also hoping that it's this year. Yeah. Yeah, I, do, I don't... I don't think it is. I don't think...
3: I don't know that it'll even be next year. I don't I don't know. I don't know that they're quiet about it. I agree with you that they have something to prove. I think Beyond Two Souls, by most accounts, is a huge disappointment. Like, I think that that game let me down. That game let a lot of people down. Too and confusing. I, yeah, and it was, it was kind of nonsensical. And I agree with you in comparison to Heavy Rain, which I think is one of PS3's greatest games. Um, it was surprising how it didn't resonate with me. Um, so I think that they know that, and I think they have something to prove. And, um, you know, I'm excited to see... Uh, what it plays like. And I'm also excited to see, as we've talked about in the past, I do think that's super massive with Untold Dawn, Out, Quantic Dream, Quantic Dream um, in many ways. And I think that they, if they're smart, they'll swallow their pride and look at newer ways to make narrative-based, choice-based games like that uh, that are a little more dynamic and a little more playable. Because um, I don't think anyone's going to say that Heavy Rain was the most playable game in the world. It was just it was so good that we overlooked a lot of the mm-hmm. mechanical shortcomings of it. So I think that it'll be... Um, 2017 at the earliest. I don't. I don't. I don't know. But I. I do think that they have uh, something to prove. And I like the setting in Detroit. I like, yeah, the machine versus human thing is old. But this game, like like Ex Machina, the movie deals com- exclusively with what is reality and what is consciousness. And that's 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 not something that is necessarily as as played in fiction as just the humans versus the machines, Skynet mm-hmm. or Cylons or something like that. It's not. That's not what it seems like. It's really about. It seems like it's about consciousness. It's it's and like I the Isaac the, Asimov approach. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think that that's going to be a super exciting way to explore that story. So I hope I hope it's good.
1: And I will say, by the way, even though it's, it's it's talking about games this year, until dawn, I loved that game. It was fantastic. I played through it multiple times. I watched my wife play through it. Uh, it's such a good game. Those guys, uh, and it was horror too, so it really yeah. brought me in. And I, those guys, I just I hope that they do something. Uh, soon with Until Dawn. I would love to see an Until Dawn 2 completely different setting. Um, not the VR thing. The VR thing, I think, is more of a tech oh, thing. Yeah, a shooter it's thing. not um, shitty. It's just not what it is. It's, it's just shooter. more um, of a tech oh, right? say say thing. I'm sorry, like a, a shooter. Technical. You I know. I enjoy. I,
0: my favorite VR thing I've done so far has been Until Dawn, Rush of Blood or whatever the hell it's yeah.
1: called. But and I agree with
3: you. They have something special there. They have to, they have to capitalize soon.
1: Yeah. And the game, I think there's a lot of potential there. And I would love to play it. Uh, and the VR thing I think is cool. It's just not that sort of until dawn thing totally. I'm looking for. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. It's just spin-off shit. Speaking of spin-off shit, Pokemon go, man, I am so anticipating this. Like I, I hope that it's what I want it to be. I don't think it's going to, but I, you know, as someone that travels a lot, it's really exciting. Someone that has their phone on them all the time. Like it's exciting to think about what that game could be. And just like trying to capture Pokemon, going to all these different places and like seeing, seeing what the actual gameplay of it is. I think I'm, most excited for because that could instantly go completely off my list like the moment I actually see some stuff which supposedly is at GDC in a couple weeks we'll see mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. They have um, a panel that would really change stuff but also there's a Pokemon direct coming up on Friday that we're recording the show so by the time this post like we'll know what happens so right now I don't know what happens I'm hoping that they announce uh red and blue 2 or some some form of anniversary game like it'll ha- it'll be on the 3ds I'm hoping that it has multiple regions and it's not just If they had just announced Pokemon Z or, like, Pokemon X and Y2 or whatever, I would be so disappointed. And I'm just going to be like, god damn it. (laughs) But at the same time, it's like, I also want them to stop putting resources into the 3DS and stuff and just go to the NX and just, like, you know, start there and do something right there. But uh, Pokemon Go, you know, they're saying 2016. And they've, they've said that since the first trailer. And they're sticking to it. So I'm hoping that we hear a lot more soon. And I'm hoping that it's as good as I Wish it will be. Go for it, Greg.
2: Number three for me. I'm going to put No Man's Sky on there. Mm. I want to know what this is. I want to know how it's going to play out. I want to know when it's coming out. I want to know, is it VR related, as my prediction once said. Uh, In general, I just want to see this game come out. It's had so much hype for so long. And I think at E3 this year, past E3 was the one where they came out on stage, did the demo, and they and I was just like, "What the fuck is this game? Stop doing this!" And then we got to go behind closed doors in a loft and play it for like 30 minutes and talk to the team about what the game is. And I left that one being like, "Okay, like I get it now." And if you can deliver what you're talking about, that's going to be awesome. And that's going to be like I always talk about whether it's VR or not. It's going to be the cool. All right, uh, I have 30 minutes before I want to go to bed. 45 minutes. I'm going to jump in here and chill out. And just fly through the galaxy and land and see this planet and do this and find that or da 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 and go off and then keep getting closer and closer to the center. And they keep talking about adding to it, you know, a la Minecraft, where, all right, this won't be there when we launch, launch but down the road, we wanna do this, we wanna do this, we wanna do that. So if it is one of those things that's an ever evolving platform in a way, right, that could be really cool. Will it come together? I don't know. Will it, you know what I mean, will it be totally boring? Will it be that, man, I want to play for 30 minutes. I turn it on, it's like, land on a planet. Everything here has been discovered. Go to the next planet. All right, this is, keep, keep. you know what I mean? Like, okay, everybody's fucking found everything. This sucks. Mm-hmm. I doubt it, but maybe that's, you know, it's a possibility. Mainly I'm just excited. Based on the little taste they gave me, I do want more. But what it's going to be in the end, I don't know.
1: I'm looking forward to that game. Yeah. I think the, the challenge they're up against is the one that you cited exactly. It's that there's been so much buildup for it for so long that uh, there's already these unrealistic expectations yeah. about what this game should be and it can still be end up being a very very great game and which is not proper english but <laughs> it could still it could still end up being incredible and just because it's had so much hype and, and Kids are still gonna build up down. that it's still it wasn't enough right. and that's the problem that you kind of run into with uh, talking about a game for too long mm-hmm. uh, is expectations Watch get songs. ahead of reality yeah, yeah it's, it's so i'm i'm wishing those guys the best because I want to play that game too. Yeah. Um. But my from uh, from my standpoint as uh, part of a game developer, I'd be worried that doesn't matter how good it gets, that people aren't just gonna that they're gonna say that it didn't live up to its potential, exactly. no matter what. Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah. It looks it looks good. I agree with you. It's gonna be a victim of hype, though. Yep. I think. Uh. Next up for me, Homefront: Revolution. Mm. Um love the original home front in terms of storytelling in terms of its it's setting this game isn't is just tangentially if not even really at all rem, related that's why it's not home front different studio chaos obviously made the first one and they're not together anymore dan buster is the one that's doing this one in the uk game takes place in philadelphia which i think is a really cool setting i can't think of a single game that takes place in philadelphia um so i like that setting it also i think is a is a connection to the american revolution and rocky kind of like the origins. rocky legends thank you that takes place in <laughs> philadelphia that's a good point um <laughs> I like the I like the contained open world nature of the game uh, the original Homefront was short the campaign was short they obviously ran out of time and had a lot of internal dissension when they were making the game so the campaign was only about five hours long but there was this moment these moments of like weird greatness in the game that I think were like really cool like when you're fighting through basically like a, a like a Costco like I was like this is kind of funny like you know like th- these guys like set up shop here because there's like so much shit here it makes sense you know um or, uh, you know, uh, you're fighting, um, just in the streets or across like a bridge and, and I don't know, it was, I, I liked, I liked it. It was hokey and weird. It reminded me a lot of Red Dawn, you know, that John Milius was involved in some way with the game. Um, but this particular one takes more of a, um, step-by-step approach in terms of like, you're going to take over this part of the city and then you're going to do these side quests and you have to destroy these cameras and these patrols and do all these kinds of things and play like it's a Far Cry game or like it's a Ubisoft game basically. Um, and I think that's exciting. I think it looks fucking cool. And I and it, and the thing is that this game has been in development for a long time. It's, there's, you know, um, Crytek was working on this game and they kind of fell apart. And so who knows what's going to happen. But after what happened with South Park, the stick of truth, and all the stuff that happened with THQ and with um, with Obsidian making that game and it was in development hell and it looked like it was going to be like shit and stuff, then it came out and it was fucking awesome. You have to kind of keep an open mind that these situations do sometimes work out. They don't often work out, but they sometimes do. So I'm hoping for the best for this game. Um, And then we'll kind of see what happens. But I'm I'm super jazzed about that game.
1: Mm -hmm. Good pick. Fourth pick. Fourth. Oh, that is uh, Lego Star Wars: Force Awakens. I love that movie so much. Uh, I saw it twice. I know it has its issues because of how close it is to the first film, but I didn't care. I enjoyed it. My family enjoyed it. (laughs) Chicks. Ew. And it's a good game that I can play with my daughters who love who love Star Wars, and they really liked (coughs) Ray and Finn. Mm -hmm. Everywhere I go, they're asking me for Ray and Finn stuff. Um, and, and I, I like they won't make Ray stuff tweet about Ray stuff. we went to Disneyland and, and bought some Ray stuff nice. and, um, but the the fact that I can actually play these games with my kids now that they're getting to the age where they can play the games that I used to play because ba- way back in the day I, I'd i play Lego games like crazy and the first one was Lego Star Wars, yeah, LEGO Star Wars. first time they showed it was at Comic Con 2004 maybe I'm um, a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I would play those games religiously and now that I can bring my kids into it with a movie that we saw multiple sure. times together. I uh, have I'd, them be I'm good at it. To, yeah. And
2: not just be some dumb kid running off the corner. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, well, you help me with
1: this switch. We both need to stand on this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, but like right now they're playing Goat Simulator, which is also a really good Classic. game. Yeah. But uh but they they're looking for sort of something that they're also familiar with, and sure. Star Wars. When I showed them the trailer that that's coming, that it was Legos and Star Wars. They went yeah. nuts, and that as a parent made me really excited. Yeah, yeah. you're doing so something cool. right.
0: That's that's one I'm looking forward to. Final Fantasy 15. Oh yeah, it's finally happening. Oh my god, this year, this year,
3: yes. Yeah,
0: I mean that's me. At this point, <laughs> at this point, like I'm just excited to play through it, and you know. I have an opinion on it. Like just see whether yeah, I like I'm, it or I'm interested not.
3: in that. I'm interested in knowing what it is.
0: Yeah. Like I, yeah. the more that I've seen recently of it, the more and more excited I get. And the more I'm like, this looks like what I want from it. Mm. You know, it, it kind of went through a weird phase where it was drifting away from that. Um, and I just wanted it to get back to what it originally was. when it was versus 13, those original trailers. And I'm starting to get that, that sense that that stuff's going to be in it and it's modern and it's all these other things. So I'm, you know, Thinking it's going to be good. Great. I don't know. Will it be my favorite Final Fantasy? Probably not. But will it be up there? I hope. I mean, like, you know, full disclosure, we're
2: hosting that reveal event March 30th. Go to Final Fantasy XV.com slash. No, uncovered. Uncovered. Just Google yeah. Final Fantasy fifteen <laughs> event. Um, <laughs> we're hosting that event. And so, I mean, like, that's it. But it's like, since you guys have first talked about it, and are like, oh, driving around in a car with your bros. Oh, well, I can get behind that then i watch it, i'm like oh, what's the are these gods coming down i don't know what's happening but it's interesting you know what i mean it's it's i'm it's awesome to see your excitement with it. the other people's excitement with it i do think i'm gonna try it because i try just about every final fantasy
0: will i stick with it who knows yeah i think there's more of a chance you'll stick with this than ever before because now you, you know how much i love that because underwater of Persona, because game. of oh my god uh don't hit on bliss ball bro all right bliss ball is life Alternate uh.
1: soccer games have their place. <laughs> 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 yeah, no. I, at this point, it's you know. so it's looming. You know what I mean? It's yeah. there, and it's like we've been t- waiting it's for time so to long. Put up or shut up is the main
0: exactly. Thing, right? So I'm yeah. like, all
3: right, cool. Give it
0: to me. Why yeah, why? I
3: think that I think this might be the opposite of No Man's Sky, and that I think this game is going to suffer from some say blowback but some a lot of sarcasm a lot of sardonic kind of like bullshit including for me because i'm like who even cares you know like like this game has been developed for so long i just don't even care anymore like i'm i'm intrigued by what it is but i don't even know that i care enough to play it you know but i will because i have you know a morbid curiosity about it but there are things about it like that just bother me but i know shouldn't bother me like you know like you see magitek armor and i'm like how dare you fucking invoke that game (laughs) just to just to just to get me just to like hit at people like me and stuff like that but i'm like but i was like Nah, you you know, I'm sure, like I've said many times, I'm sure it's going to be nothing less than good. But I don't know that it's going to be any more than that. So we'll see what happens. I hope, you know, for everyone that's excited about it, then, you know, I want every game to be good. And there's a lot of people that are. Yeah, so what I'm interested to see is the sales of Persona 5 compared to the sales of Final Fantasy 15. Very much so. Because I I do think that Final Fantasy 15 won't necessarily be outsold by Persona Persona 5, but it's going to be close. Like, I I just think all the goodwill that Square has whittled away over the years with Final Fantasy 13 and Final Fantasy 12 and 32 and 33 and like so definitely 12 and definitely 13 and definitely the what's going on with versus 13 and 15 um and then all the goodwill that atlas has scooped up with persona and all the goodwill even that bandai namco has scooped up with tails um the the situation is somewhat different for final fantasy now for the first time really since they've since they've released a main line game that final fantasy just isn't the shit anymore you know and uh, I think people are just looking at Square Enix's Japanese outlet or uh, operation with a little bit of a more skeptical eye after what they did to Dragon Quest and what they and what they have done to Final Fantasy and and Dragon Quest Eleven seems like it's going to be a return to form. Thank God. And I just want Final Fantasy Sixteen to just be a return to form. Be what a Final Fantasy game is. Please, we're it begging won't. you. I have, I
1: have mixed feelings on this because I have unrealistic expectations for Final Fantasy games in general. My favorite two games of all time are Final Fantasy Six and Four. Those are the games that I that really made me fall in love with RPGs. It's why I play RPGs. It's why I used to review them all the time at IGN because it was my favorite genre. Um, But the I was at Tokyo Game Show when they announced Final Fantasy Thirteen versus you know I mean it's been a long time coming to this and now there's it's been so long and my expectations of a Final Fantasy game are so high that I'm curious that if I'm my own enemy in in Mm. my expectations for that game is is it going to live up to it especially since there's a lot of exploration. Uh, at least from the trailers that I've seen so far, a lot of walking around. Um, And you've always had that in Final Fantasy, but it, it always felt like as a means to get somewhere else in between these big story points. But so far, a lot of the Final Fantasy 15 trailers have been, we're here, we're just exploring in battle, and I'm not getting a lot of what's actually going on in the game. So I'm also that's also has me a little apprehensive as to what exactly is the story and what am I doing and the characters themselves who's who's the character I'm really going to latch on to and because the blonde know, kid probably. the blonde kid I think yeah, like the, ca- like the
3: characters are slow that's the thing to me is that yeah the game seems like an overcompensation for Final Fantasy 13 in, in many ways 13 was very constrained it was very linear it was very which one. The first one. First one. Which, <laughs> and, 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 you know, 13 was just like, so like, oh God, like I, I just, and what was such a shame about that was that the battle system was actually really awesome. cool. like It has such and, it great just, things about the it. The paradigm shifting and stuff was cool. I liked that idea. And it was just like, it was such a waste. Like that game was just so uneven and um, I just fucking didn't like it. And I, I think that, I think to their, to their credit, I think they've listened and they're overcommenting. Now they made this big open world final fantasy 15 game we had that with final fantasy 12 to a degree but final fantasy 12 was much more of like a a weird mmo fake offline mmo feel to it with its battle system and stuff and it was a game that was clearly made and produced by two different people which it was and you know like so there was there was like a lot of you know the game just kind of changes and uh very similar to like you know like something like people complain about xenogears kind of like just falling off a cliff at the end because they ran out of time like similar things happen like where the game just doesn't feel like it's done so I think that they've taken their time, the game's going to be a full package, and I'm, I'm interested to see what it's, going to, it's, I mean, it's going to be, but it's more out of morbid curiosity. It's going to and, be Kingdom
0: Hearts Final Fantasy. You know? Like, that's what it is. So it's not going to be Final Fantasy. It's going to be a Final Fantasy in the vein of a Kingdom Hearts. Well, thank God they named it Final Fantasy.
1: is it Kingdom Hearts 3 going to be the Kingdom Hearts game? Yeah. Well, that's going to be just that Kingdom comes Hearts. Out. But this, yeah.
0: I mean, when you look at the gameplay of this, Whenever it's like, that, that, that looks, out. it looks like Kingdom Hearts gameplay. And it seems, I mean, yeah, it's like a little bit more Final Fantasy-esque in terms of the speed and stuff, but like... It's way more action RPG than RPG. So, yeah, yeah, it's true. We got a couple more on the list. Where are we at, Greg?
2: My, it's my fourth pick now.
0: Okay, Tacoma. Mm.
2: Everybody knows I'm a Fulbright fanboy. i ain't afraid to say it. You get your drink, Christmas duck. Uh, <laughs> just I remember, it debuted. Uh, it was just you know a trailer, right? Of you went in the space station, Tacoma. It opened up, and you're there, and then it went away, and it was just like the title in Fulbright. That was all I needed at that moment to say, well, yeah, here we go. Game of the year. I'm all set. I'm locked in. Great. But then to hear when Steve came through to talk about it, right, and he's talking about how uh, you land on the space station, you go in there, and you have to go through basically, like, the security cameras, but you're living in them. So you're in one room. You hit play, and you see everybody talk and move, but they're all independently moving. So then you rewind it because you saw some guy walk off over there. So you rewind it, hit play and then follow him to see what he's doing to piece together the story that way and rewind it and follow the other person over there. And like, wait, there's only five guys here, but there's six or whatever on the station. I made that number up pause it and run around it you find that person to see what that person's up to that's like neat mechanic that's a mm-hmm. cool way to do it especially you know as much as a sucker as i am for audio diaries like we always talk about with bioshock or with gone home you know what i mean to be in a living breathing one to piece together that world to see the characters interact with each other that way to see the side combos over there it's the same reason i'm excited for like apartment right which i didn't put on my list because i'm not even sure if that has a date but apartment i'm super stoked for as well because i like getting involved with people's lives and having those slice of life of what's happening of course this one's a little bit more grandiose than others, seeing as how we're up in space on a space station, seeing what's happened mm. with Earthlings. Surprise no purple list. people it's just made up. <laughs> hey, look, it's a talking Rice Krispie from the fucking other galaxy. I don't know. What <laughs>
3: <talking>. <laughs> Tacoma, Tacoma, I think, is going to be great. Now, Tacoma, to me, suffers from a, a different problem than Firewatch did, where Firewatch, I want the next game that, that Campo Santos does because I know they can do better. And with with Tacoma, I'm like, can you do it again? Yeah. That's like yeah, what I'm yeah, interested yeah, in yeah, is because Gone Home is so emotionally resonant in its brevity and in its emotional impact and in it's it's just gut punch moments and it's just very, very surprising story. <coughs> we often lose sight of people who played the game that the game seems like it's a horror game for half of it, right? And that's what makes it so interesting. Like, you're, it's like, what the fuck's going on in this house? I remember sitting in this very room when we were still at IGM playing it on, a, on the computer for game of the year consideration. I'm like, this is insane. Like, I love this game. And... uh there's a lot of people out there that don't like it, and I don't really care. I mean, I think it's I think it's so clearly such an amazing game um, that I'm interested in seeing what Tacoma um, can do, if they can do it again, if they can make a game that's as good or even better than Gone Home, as opposed yeah. to something like Firewatch, where I'm like, you guys have the right idea, but you, I want to see your next game because I think you can do way better than this. Um, so their expectations are super high. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, I'll see if it pans out for them or not, but I, I sus- they have such talent. Steve Gaynor and those guys and gals have such great talent that... It should work out just fine. And I like the idea of it being on a space station. And I like the idea, you know, it's another space game.
2: Correct. Again, with Earthlings. Not, hey, everyone, I'm the one-eyed Rice Krispie. <laughs> Who wants to buy candy? And all the candy pours out of the vents. And everybody's, we don't breathe candy.
3: So, They'll die.
2: So <laughs> creepy. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: all right. What's your last one, Jeremy? Quantum Break. Ooh.
3: Yeah. Shit, that me, one by slipped by me. That oh, did I? Yeah, it's okay. Though. I'm going to oh. do two at the end. Okay, sorry. No, sorry. I,
1: I loved Alan Wake. I just, I'm those that game sucked up so many hours of my time so I already know that they're really good at understanding large worlds and putting a game play together a game together with solid mechanics and a, a great story but I'm also a sucker for time travel elements so I just like I love the fact that they're doing all of these interesting things in that game um, and to me it's I, I actually have intentionally been avoiding information about the game because I like it's one of those few titles where I go in and I want to know as little about it as possible, but the concept really grabs me, and then I'm a big fan of the developer. So that's a that's a game for me that I, it's really getting really close too. That's yeah, that's one of the best things. April, as I'll be able to play it soon. Um, but I, I just love the fact that uh, they're actually back at it again. I was hoping it'd be Alan Wake 2, but it's not. Um, <laughs> but I, I'll take it. Those guys know what they're doing. The game looks fantastic. They have some really good technology going on, and it's um it's actually a really nice exclusive for the Xbox One they're carrying over their pretty strong exclusive lineup from from winter mm-hmm. uh, and fall into now. So, uh, as an Xbox 1 owner, I'm not not everyone uh, that I in my social circle has Xbox ones. Most most everyone's PS4 player. Um, it's it's just nice nice to see and nice to have, nice change of pace.
2: Yeah. No, I'm stoked to turn it on. I'm really interested to see how the whole TV show thing plays out. You mm-hmm. know what I mean with this like these videos in in between gameplay segments of like what it's all going to. I can't wait.
3: Yeah, I'm interested, uh, the, the the weird backlash that happened, I guess it's not weird, I mean, it's understandable, but the backlash that happened with Quantum, with uh, with it being announced as a day-and-date PC game as well, I'm, I'm actually yeah. happy to see that, because games seem to be stranded, I don't mean this with any disrespect, but it's like, a few games have been stranded on Xbox One, and that was really a shame for those games, um, like Titanfall and Tomb Raider, um, that could have sold better if they were more ubiquitous, at least on P- on, a, on a you know PC or PS4 at the same time, and kind of pushed in the same way, I know Titanfall did come to PC at the same time, but Um, there was this weird backlash when they announced that kind of late in the game, like right before the game went gold, because the game's already gold, um, that, you know, some people were like really upset about it. And I'm like, does it really matter at the end of the day? Like this game, Remedy is such a great developer and this game should be played by as many people as possible. So, um, I'm super interested to see actually the sales disparity between the platforms and if it proves the point that Microsoft's trying to make, I think, which is that Xbox is going to be more about, um, more of a platform. Uh, Agnostic kind of approach with Mm -hmm. their games, the games they publish, Microsoft Studios, um, as opposed to, you know, exclusivity with Xbox. Although I also see the other side of it, and I talked about it in the, you know, about it's a shame that it's not an Xbox One exclusive because, like, what what makes people want to buy it then, you know, without the game? So Quantum Break's an interesting kind of uh, sample, kind of interesting in the wild example of, like, how is it going to turn out for the platform that it was supposed to be on and how is it going to turn out for this other platform that's going to get the game and how are people going to, how's the game going to resonate? But it's gold early. It seems like they had all the time they needed to, to finish it. And uh, I, I hope for the best for that game, too. And I think it's an interesting experiment as well in terms of mm-hmm. live action versus um, interactive gameplay.
2: Our boy Dominic Monaghan up in it. What a
0: What uh Watch him wear his Team Fat shirt on his TV show in March. <laughs> <laughs> my last one, not a popular pick, Star Fox Zero. Mm-hmm. I love Star Fox. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite <laughs> franchises. So many shitty games in... You know, in its lineup, but like the games that are good, I love, and even even something like Star Fox Assault on GameCube. Fifty percent of that game, utter trash, and I hated it. Fifty percent of that game, when you're actually flying around, totally loved it. And I'm like, this is why I love Star Fox. These characters are archetypes that I enjoy, and the gameplay is just arcadey and fun. It's quick. It's it's one of the, you don't need to play this game for weeks. It's you play the game for a weekend and you're done. And uh, I'm. It's been way too long since we've gotten a proper Star Fox game. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate that this one looks like it's kind of just being shot out on the Wii U and just kind of it is what it is so far. But I still think that I'm going to really enjoy the the enjoyable parts of the game, you know. Yeah. And uh, from playing it at the at events, I keep saying this, but like it's it's the motion controls that hold it back. I don't really care about the graphics or any of that shit. That means nothing to me. Like the rest of it screams Star Fox. And I'm like, great. I'm super sold. I just don't want to play it with motion controls. So sure, I think it's going to be. A great weekend game, and I'll be like, "Cool!" And I'm looking forward to that weekend. So, good, you yeah. know. My final pick, yeah, is
2: none other than the legend of Zelda NX.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I I mean, like, come on! It, I I love Zelda to begin with. Uh, I didn't. Love the last, you know, your last run on the Wii or whatever, right? And I I don't play the remakes or whatever because I played them when they came out and enjoyed them then. Enjoyed A Link Between Worlds, of course, but I'm anxious for a real, real Zelda, a new Zelda. Mm -hmm. And when you look at this game and how beautiful the world is and, like... Is it going to be Skyrim meets Zelda? I don't know. Probably not, of course. But just an open world to run around and do all these different things. I'm stoked for it. You know what I mean? Like, it's more Zelda. That's what I want. I want a, a true 3D Zelda with no fucking waggle. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. like, that looks like what this is going to be from the limited glances we have. But, again, that's good. Yeah. I don't want too much just fucking get it out and put it on the NX
0: at launch. X. Yep. X going to give it to you. Yeah, I didn't even include any N X games, and it's funny because I just consider Zelda an X game. <laughs> I don't even think of it as a Wii U game. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm obviously I'm excited for that. Like that, that's going to be such a make or break moment, and we'll see.
3: We'll we will. see. Colin, final two. Uh, the first of the last two would be Alien Nation, um, by House Mark. Uh, people know. First of all, I'm friends with a lot of the guys at House Mark, so you know you can you know, take it, take her to leave it, I guess. But uh, from an authentic place. Alienation, I've played it. It's fucking fun. I have no doubt that it's going to be good. I'm also excited about Matterfall, but that's like so much further out. and That's an awesome name for a game. Um, but Housemark, I've said it before. I said it again. Is the most underrated developer in the entire industry, and they make nothing but great games. Not good games. Not okay games. Not. They make great games. They made Stardust. They made Resogun. They made Dead Nation. They made out. You know, out um, Outland. These are fucking good. Good. Good very good great excellent fantastic game some of the best games that i've played uh, in the last two generations rezogun i still think is ps4's best game um, they understand gameplay and this is why we play games they understand what makes you want like what makes a game addictive and what makes a game fun to play they they are masters of gameplay and um whether it was in in outland with like kind of the the polarity uh, kind of system that they had or whether it was with Resogun with the kind of cylindrical kind of defender feel or whether it was with Stardust over the sphere or Dead Nation with kind of Alienation seems most akin to Dead Nation um, which is fine because I think Dead Nation is awesome uh, so definitely got to give a shout out to Alienation uh, comes very soon uh, to PS4 and then the, the fifth game is Doom uh, from Id Doom long in development super got again kind of a morbid curiosity about it uh, Id is not the Id of old but there's still something really special about the way they uh, release games and the games that they make. And I know that Rage was a disappointment to a lot of people, and I was even a little disappointed in it. It wasn't quite what I wanted it to be, and I kind of abandoned it, as a lot of people did. But Doom is their heritage. I mean, Wolfenstein's really their heritage. Commander Keen's really their heritage. But Doom is their their heritage. And uh, it looks fun. It looks bloody. It looks old school. It looks... Super fucking weird. And, uh, that's what Doom's all about. Before we took shooters really seriously, we had games like Doom. And, uh, and games like Quake. And so I think that, uh, Doom should turn out fantastic. And, uh, I hope that that single-player campaign, which is apparently like 10 to 15 hours, that's all I really want to play. I don't care about anything else. I just want to play that. that, I just want, I want to see, like, what it's like. And, uh... You know, just as kind of like a, a more from an academic point of view, like the game has been so in development for, you know, for or development for so long and kind of rebooted and restarted and kind of just reworked. I mean, we need, we haven't gotten a proper Doom game in, in uh, 12 years, so um, it's time and we're going to get it soon enough. So I, I'm, I'm super excited about that. And I'm, my, my only prayer is that with machine games making, you know, hopefully another Wolfenstein game, if they don't move on to Quake or something like that, like Doom itself is just special. Like, let's just do one more Doom game and just leave it alone. And then let it do its thing or, you know, none of the guys that are at, you know, there's very few people at it that you would know anymore. So it's not like it's the same team, but it's there's still something there's like a je ne sais quoi about that team. We'll see how it works out.
0: Kevin, we're going to break that into two at some point. Ladies and gentlemen, that topic brought to you by Squarespace. Building a website can be tough. And even if you do know your way around coding, creating something that looks good and works well is a time consuming affair. Whether it's for a business side, a portfolio, a restaurant, or whatever else, in this day and age, you probably need one anyway. Lucky for us, Squarespace makes it easy to build beautiful websites without breaking a sweat. Squarespace provides simple, powerful, and beautiful websites that look professionally designed regardless of skill level, no coding required. Not only does Squarespace provide you with intuitive and easy-to-use tools to create your website with, they also have state-of-the-art technology powering your site to ensure security and stability. And you know you can trust in Squarespace for your website needs when millions of people and some of the most respected brands in the world trust in them too. Original site, funny.com, was first made in Squarespace. I don't know if you know that, Greg.
2: I do know that. Nick Scarpino is like barely functioning as an adult. So the fact that <laughs> he can made, build it shows so. you how easy it is to build it. Rocket League
1: merchandise site, Squarespace. Really? There you go. Yep. There you go. What, what's that site? Uh, the Rocket League <laughs> RocketLeagueStore.com.
0: There you go. Squarespace. Build it however you want to. Start a trial with no credit card required and start building your website today. <laughs> Did you when just try to like on the
2: fly invent a new Squarespace tagline? <laughs> they don't have taglines anymore. build it however you want they, they
0: they, they, Whatever. So the favorite thing about Squarespace whatever. is that you know, they had build it beautiful yeah, yeah. and then they had Squarespace. You should. You should. Yeah, and, and now then they're like, we're done. There's a new thing that, like, they're just like, there's no more slogan. Just deal yeah. with it. So yeah, they can take, build it however you want to. Build it however you want. Whatever. So when you decide yeah. to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code, kind of funny, to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for kind of funny games. We thank Squarespace for the support funny. We do. We do. Next topic of the day, Rocket League. Sweet. Let's talk about the success of Rocket okay. League. Did you expect
1: this? Uh not to this level, no. We thought that we would do well. Uh that which is the whole reason that we released on PlayStation Plus was to get it out in front of as many people as possible. But we didn't think it would ever take off to the level it has now. We're at twelve million players in the game. So the fact that we have that many players is far beyond anything we had ever expected. We were hoping that we'd get a few million in our lifetime. Um, 12 million is unbelievable, and we're getting more players every week.
0: Yeah, I remember you were just telling me out there, you were talking about how yeah, the game just week to week is outpacing. It's true. Like it just keeps growing.
1: Yeah, so we had better sales our third week in January than we did the second week in January, and then and that beat the week before. And we didn't even have any sales going on. We did have some sales around the Christmas time, uh, like everybody else. Yeah. Um. But and so we couldn't. We didn't quite reach that level because everyone goes crazy around that time. Mm-hmm. But uh, in January we were outpacing ourselves week after week. In November we were outpacing ourselves week after week. So it' pretty good so far this month. Um. In February we're also doing better week after week. So the fact that it's happening eight months after the release of the game is the most encouraging thing about it because one of the one of the, the misnomers about coming out on something like PlayStation Plus is, well, now you're out, you've given your game to millions of people, and now you have no opportunity to make any money. And that was a worry of ours, but we were willing to, to, uh, to give that, to give up the short-term benefit. Mm-hmm. Of uh, making a bunch of money in the at, at first in order to get it in front of as many people as possible because we thought the game could speak for itself and the yeah. people would start telling their friends and it would grow from there.
0: I mean, what I think is really cool about it is that it it kind of has the same kind of independent vibe that we have, where it's like you know we put everything out for free and it's like if you want to support, you can and, and we kind of have that same bet, you know, where it's mm-hmm. like if we put something that's good out there, then people are going to latch onto it and believe in it. And I think that we've seen that with Rocket League, where. Like I was talking about on our game of the year discussion thing where it's like I definitely have not put enough time into that game. Like the little I did, I enjoyed it. It's really great. But I w- I said that Rocket League, I think if I had to say from an overall perspective, it was the game of the year last year. Like you Thank couldn't you. go anywhere without people talking about and it. That's like, and that's what's so all crazy is you still spheres.
2: can't. Yeah. No. You still can't go anywhere on Twitter, on anybody on Twitch. Somebody's playing that game that we know. Not yes, just like exactly. some random. I think, doing I think
0: that's the key thing, is it's that our our friends and our people, like all of our people, our fans, our everybody, like they're just playing this game because they enjoy it. It's just, it's just fun. It's just good. It's not, you know, they, how much it cost or was it PlayStation Plus or this. None of that matters. They enjoy the game. You know what I mean? They want to keep playing the game, and they're gonna keep playing the game. And I think when people see that, you were talking about advertising, like that's mm-hmm. the best advertising you have. You know, oh, yeah. it's, it's like when you have something that people are talking about and they're genuinely excited about, people are gonna get excited about it.
1: Exactly, and that, and that's that's why you have to stand behind your game, and you have to hope that you reach a point where you're ready to let it go because. If, if, first of all, if you ask most game developers, they never want to let their game go because there's always something that they want to add to it. And wait, just need this, this many more features. And we just need to make sure that this... Uh, th-. You'll never get rid of your game unless you're willing to put it out there. But you need to get to a point to where you're confident in that your concept and your idea is strong enough to where the players that you built it for are, are ready for it and, and expect it. So we had to convince ourselves we are at that part. But once we, once we manage to get over that hump, um, the fact that people have embraced it so much... Uh, added pressure and uh, like a responsibility to us to also meet those expectations and keep giving them things. So we take a similar approach that you guys do is we keep we keep releasing content drops. We just put 50 new items in the game three weeks ago just to put in there things to hide. We've added a, an item rarity system. So now you can have you can find items like everyone else, but then there, you have these other items that are harder to find that you, you get by playing. And we've been adding more modes over time. We added hockey mode in December. Uh, We added uh, mutators, which let you change aspects of the game, cube ball, pinball, things like that. And that's just the beginning. So the exciting thing about this year, I thought it'd be too um, uh, disingenuous for me to list Rocket League as one of my five favorite games looking forward (laughs) to to 2016. But since the topic is Rocket League, this year we have a lot of big plans for the game. Uh, And we're going to continue to add new modes, which I think are really going to go over well. Some of them are things that folks have been asking for for quite a long time.
2: First-person shooter
1: mode. No first-person shooter mode, at least not yet, not in the first half. If that's something that uh, we can actually get to work properly, uh, we first have to figure it out, and then then try it. But um, the the amount of stuff that we have coming, we think are really going to make people happy, because we have modes, we have more content coming. There is going to be some paid DLC here and there. Sure, uh, We need that, because we have, again, we have 12 million players so far, so need to keep those servers going. We have... Just just uh, three days ago, uh, from today, four days ago, four or five days ago, we broke our concurrent player record. So player counts are going up, not down. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we need to keep the servers alive, which is why we're doing paid DLC about once every quarter or so is, is when we release it. Um, but lots of free stuff because people, uh, you know, they're supporting your game. You need to support them back. And sure. then we want, of course, we want to get money. That's a, that's a good portion of, of the whole point of the business of video games. Um, but you need to be able to to be able to charge them at a respectable level to to, to feel like it's a, a mutual need. They want this content, and you're giving it to them um, regularly. And then the stuff that you want to sell uh, is there just to keep the lights on. And then they're aware that that's just for fun. None of our DLC is ever advantage uh, either. It's all just yeah. stuff you think looks cool. So we think that's important.
0: With the Xbox release, are you looking at that? Is it as exciting? Like do does it feel like a whole new kind of like breath does. for the thing, or is it just like another?
1: It does. No, it's it was a big deal because when we launched on PlayStation, it was it came out on PlayStation Plus, so we weren't getting the full uh, width of of the audience and what they really thought about the game by itself without the PlayStation Plus promotion. A lot of people download PlayStation Plus games because well, it's there. I'm going to download it while I can, mm-hmm. and then maybe get back to it later. So this was really about the game standing on its own. Eight months later, there's no so now it's it's not like it's brand new. It's not it's not a game that people have just now started to hear of. It's 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 pretty age in the terms of video games. Uh, so it was really interesting for us to be able to see where we stood now compared to where we were. And we were a little bit of an unknown quantity in the beginning. And the fact that we launched very well. We actually um, we're still trying to get our numbers back. They weren't all delivered to us by the time uh, this recording has happened. But we have uh, well over 600,000 players on Xbox already. And we're recording this on a Thursday. And the last time that I had the numbers update was yesterday. So it might be even more than that. That's a really good start uh, on on that game for it's full priced and yeah. uh 8 months old. Yeah, man. So, when we dialing back to when it comes out on PlayStation Plus, which is just
2: its release. At mm-hmm. the initial release, when did you guys realize that maybe this was
1: different than like it was going to beat expectations or something was happening here? The moment the servers went down. So, we <laughs> we were talking yeah. we were talking to Sony uh, as we were le- leading up to the the release about what their expected concurrent players would be. Yeah. And so what was your most successful concurrent player count on a PlayStation Plus game that was multiplayer? What should we expect? And they were, they were giving us, because of all the agreements, they can never really tell us specific Straight numbers. numbers. Uh, but they do give us ranges. And so they said, we expect your game to do maybe between 50 and 80,000 concurrents at best. Um, and we expect you to get maybe a couple million downloads. And uh, th- that was their estimate. And so we were basing a lot of our server uh, our server infrastructure and our expectations around those numbers because gotcha. we thought that would likely be our highest number and it'll settle over time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then on day one went by fine because it was one of those releases where we started in Australia and then we started working our way west towards everything else. And it was rolling and everything seemed fine and we were hitting the 30, 40, 50,000 mark and things looked great. And then uh, sometime in the middle of the night after day one started... Uh, I got phone calls, and uh, Thomas got phone calls. Thomas is our uh, director of development there and was a, a big uh, component of Rocket League. And uh, the servers were down. And we started looking at the numbers and we had well over a hundred thousand people that were now trying to play the game simultaneously. So much of the fact now that they were hitting our game so much that we couldn't keep the servers up. And they were also hitting our website to the point where it took that down. So our website was down, the game was down. Uh, and our feed, our player feed from our CDN was also down because the pe- so many people were unlocking so many achievements or scoring so many things that the feed couldn't keep up. the The server couldn't keep up with the game players. Our website couldn't keep up with the traffic, and we're like, "What's happening?" And then, so we had to feverishly we rewrote the entire net code of the game in a couple of days. Jeez, and so we had to. Yeah, and of course. We, we had to, and so we did that, and that was our first uh, super hot fix release that we did. Uh, at the same time, we just frantically tried to get as many servers as we could, and the fact is a lot of them didn 't exist. We had to have them built on top of it so we 're having these servers built and we 're adding all this new net code. It was nuts, and a good portion of us at the at the office probably didn 't sleep for about a week and a half, and we were grabbing one two hours sure. sleep at a time. Thomas uh, tells a story that 's absolutely true about how at one point he was just coding so much his uh, fiance now wife had to, was literally feeding him force-feeding him to eat while he was playing because he was so in the zone and so tired, it was the only way that he even remembered that he was supposed to eat. Jeez Louise. But uh, it worked out. <laughs> <laughs> and, was, and that's
2: the thing. I mean, did you guys... I mean, I have to imagine the fear is that you were like, oh my God, servers are down, this is now we're losing our shot, right? How many people try to ping a game, it doesn't work, fuck this, and they're yes, and gone.
1: That, that was a concern. Yeah. But, I mean, our whole company philosophy, and this is what we were doing from the beginning, was just to be as transparent as possible and say, and we told everyone... We did not expect this many people. Yeah You you guys are playing the game, which is great, but we weren't prepared to handle it because these numbers are way beyond what we expected. Yeah. So we try the, the only thing we could do was tell them the truth. We're working on it as quickly as we can. We're going to have it up as quickly as we can. And here's what we're going to do to make it up to you. And so we recre- we created some free items for everyone that, that had to go through the problem. They can download and have added to the game. We kept giving them updates as often as we could. Uh, and that's really what your player base wants. A big problem with players, with uh, communities in general and how they're treated is they're just treated like bouncing boards. Here's an announcement. Now we'll wait for a couple of weeks and see how you react to our next announcement. And that's that's what creates a lot of these issues where games launch with, issue, with problems and then get torn apart because sure. there's no level of transparency or communication. They're just like, well, deal with it. Uh, we know that that's a mistake because if we don't have a healthy community and one that's involved, they're going to move on just like you said they're gonna make like, screw this game yeah let's go play something else so it was very important gotcha. to us to keep them informed uh and we think that that was a big help because uh people remember that we had server issues at launch but they the one of the big benefits is they know why they it wasn't like it was some bad code yeah. or yeah, was yeah, because yeah. we were just was broken yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it wasn't Too popular <laughs> it was, but sure. we, we fixed it and we let them know and we gave them etas and whenever we do anything wrong uh, we let them know. we like, you know what? This isn't right. We're going to fix this or we're going to change this. And we give them as much heads up as we can, as often as we can, about things that are coming into the game. Uh, right now, there are so many things going on. That sometimes we don't have as much uh, heads up as we'd like to to because we'll, patches will come in hot. Sure. And we're we'll like, okay, this is going out. And we're like, oh, we need to tell people this is happening tomorrow. Um, but that's our whole philosophy. Tell, tell your community what you're doing and what you want to do. And they reciprocate by playing your game, telling other friends about the game, and they keep supporting you. Was the plan always... You're talking about how big 2016 is going to be. Yeah. Did you guys always envision supporting it like this and how you're doing it this long, or was it... Not this aggressively. Okay. We plan on, on supporting it, for sure. We we said before the game came out, we have long-term plans to support this game. Mm. But we because it's, it is so popular and because it's so well-received, that we wanted to make sure that we kept people happy. And so what we've been doing is we've been... Uh, updating a lot more regularly than we really expected, probably about twice as fast, or I shouldn't say as fast, twice as often sure. as we expected. So originally we were going we to have quarterly updates. Um, that was the plan before we blew up. And now we have essentially quarterly paid DLC, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, are range between 2 and $4. We don't want to overprice any of this stuff. And it's all, like I said earlier, it's all just vanity stuff. Like there's the Back to the Future. Not, yeah, like the Back to the Future. Card. Which is awesome. Thank you. Um, it, it's all it's it's all just stuff to make people feel cool. Um, but then, in terms of regular updates, quality of life updates, new game modes, we've been doing those two to three times a quarter, depending on how aggressive the mode is. Sure. And that is our plan right now um, to at least have one because I don't want to overpromise. Some of these are a lot of work. At yeah. least one major new thing every quarter, in addition to the paid DLC. So, um, the most recent thing, obviously, was the the mutators. And now we've just launched our season two, which is our competitive thing where we've changed a bunch of, uh, of ways that our competitive side works. And uh, we did item drops and now we have a couple of game modes that we're working on that uh, are really cool. And uh, it'll hurt our, our whole, like check it out if I say too yeah, much yeah, about of it. Of course, of course. But uh, they're really cool. They're totally different than what your people are playing with now. Okay. And, um, you know we're we're excited to let people play, That's awesome. but it's yeah. it, 2016 is going to be a big year for us. That's really cool. What I want to back up a
3: little bit in terms of before Rocket League came out, uh uh-huh. what it, what were your expectations in terms of you knew you had a good game. I mean, obviously the game's good or whatever, but what was it? It's surprising to me, having played the game and we've been were exposed to the game beforehand, that people didn't quite. It's just surprising to me that people didn't understand that this game was going to be huge. Like it, I I kind of found that it was obvious, like it was almost <laughs> self apparent. You know, like it was just like this game's going to be huge, and um. How did you find, you know, how did you find like evangelical people before and after the game came out? Like, how does that kind of help in terms of, because we were talking a little bit about GameSpot, who seems uh-huh. to be like super evangelical. And I'm talking about big Alex. I'm not talking about people like us, but I'm talking about like big tastemakers out there. Right. Did you anticipate that you were guys were going to kind of resonate with them too? Because it seems like I'm surprised when I see Alex that don't talk about Rock League or don't play it because it's su- it's such a phenomenon. It's really part of the zeitgeist
1: right now of, of games. Anticipate, no. Hope, yes. That we. Um, so what we did is our whole approach was we first we, we debuted the game on PlayStation at PSX. The first one where we were there uh, with and you guys dropped, or Colin did, you had a, an engagement, but you got to check it out later.
2: Well, that's the one when he came back. And yeah. Like, Dunham's new game is awesome. Like, what is it again? He's like, soccer, but with cars. Like, yeah. That sounds not like a game I want to play. And that's
1: <laughs> that's why it didn't necessarily take off. Right. It's because when you hear soccer with cars, um, there's either the people that don't like soccer. Mm hmm. But they just don't think it's their kind of sport, or they don't like cars, or they have an idea of how car games or soccer games currently work, and there's this expectation in their head of how it would most likely work, um, versus how the game actually works. Sure. And so that, that, that was one of the big hurdles. Plus, Rocket League is actually a sequel to the first game, Supersonic Acrobatic Rocket Power Battle Cars, and uh, that wasn't uh, something that was commercially well-known, and and but I those who, why. yeah, <laughs> well, that's why we shortened the name yeah. obviously. <laughs> but the but those that did know the the folks in the media remember that that game only had between high sixes to mid sevens, and most reviews a couple of eights. But they didn't think that it was this huge Force. game, right? right yeah. um, what they didn't realize, and what they didn't what they didn't understand, is that even though the reviews, the original reviews, weren't that strong. Uh, It was a different time. It came out in 2008, which you guys were part of the games media then. You know, in 2008, PlayStation Network games uh, were not very strongly promoted by anyone. Mm -hmm. The company didn't have any budget to tell anyone about it. Uh, PlayStation Network games, again, were written off, usually, as just a set of side games. Uh, Twitch and YouTube had not taken off on a huge level yet. It was getting there. Twitch didn't exist. Uh, and gaming culture as a whole was not yet accepted as part of the mainstream like it is now. Yeah. And so there are a lot of different factors in, in how that game was perceived versus how that game could now get viral this time. So to answer your question is, what we did is once, once people, um, once we had a build that we could actually give people, which we started doing betas around PS, we started with alphas and betas in the PC, but once we got really close to finishing, we moved it to PS4. We just said, we just told streamers, any streamer who wants to play this game, let us know, we'll send you a code. Because to us, that was the best way—just to to try it—is to get it in front of these people and let them try it and see what happens. And that we had no money; we couldn't advertise, uh, we couldn't do anything. So every all our entire marketing campaign and was completely based on faith in the game and using the right set of promotional tools outside of ourselves to help get the word out
2: yeah because you came on beyond when we were still there right yeah
1: and came on and said if you want this on there you have to tweet let us, us, no. and let us know and yeah. everybody did and then you came back and put people in the beta and like yeah yeah and that was the that was the beginning of understanding there was an audience on ps4 yeah and that we could then and from that point forward yeah we it was a, a build-up to getting to psx and the psx reaction was good and then we got to the beta and then we could give it to streamers and the streamers liked it Sure, and uh, then people were watching and were like what is this game and then when we announced that we are coming to Playstation Plus right after that people were excited because yeah. now uh, they saw this game they knew what it was about and it was just this big snowball effect yeah
2: I mean that was for us I remember in our audience when you guys brought it in and streamed with us after it was during the summer You, but it was still that thing of like mm-hmm. what is this game and when you play it you know but I think for our audience watching Colin and I play it and freak out and yell at each other and stuff yeah. like, there was something to that of like holy shit this is awesome
0: yeah yeah Got some questions from the audience here. Sure. Uh, we got Rusty Shackleford. He says if I dislike soccer and have held out on playing rocket League this far, what's the deal? How can you sell me on it?
1: I just did <laughs> <laughs> There you go I just did. Uh, it's fun. the whole point of the game is that we want you to have fun with it no matter uh, how good you are and whether or not you're winning or losing, you should still have fun. So that's what we think is really interesting about it. It has layers. It's simple to play. It's just go with R2 if you're using a PlayStation 4 controller. And you. that's really it. And then you have X to jump. But where the game really gets interesting is where you start adding the different layers of what you can do. We have a boost that lets you go... Uh, supersonic speed you can jump and double jump and fly through the air and drive on the Spinning walls kicks. yes you, you, there's blocking and there's there's none of the extra extraneous rules that normal soccer has where there's not offsides or there are not penalties it's just simple but uh the more you play it the more you realize that it's uh has a lot of layers to it and because we don't have any animations in the game and it's completely physics based you're not waiting for certain behaviors to unfold before you do them. whatever you're doing is your skill level being reflected in uh, in the game
0: mm-hmm so speaking on kind of like the layers of that, Wyatt wants to know what other... Oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, what do you see Rocket League and its involvement with esports? It's, and will uh, you guys sponsor any of your own events?
1: We have a really aggressive... 2016 is going to be a big year because it is a year that we're going to start embracing esports. Uh, we're going to have um, some announcements about that very, very soon. Uh, we're pretty excited about it. We're not throwing around a million dollars like the Halo guys do. We can't do that yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yet. <laughs> no, but the... We do have some very aggressive plans. We have uh, some really cool things that we can't reveal just yet, Um, but as soon as we can, we're going to spill the beans. It is is going to be very soon that we start talking about these things, but we need to get through the next couple of weeks first and uh, a couple of, uh, uh, shall we say, uh, crossing the T's and dotting the I's sort of thing.
2: That's awesome. I mean, it makes sense because, I mean, that's the big thing when you see, like, I was talking about, you know, I was at a developer the other day. They were ending and doing a tournament. GameSpot does their tournament. I remember when we were at RTX, what a big deal that tournament was. And when Freddie Wong heard about it, he yep. demanded to be in it and stuff like that. Yeah. People love playing. It's this crazy, thing. man. And there's such a strata between... I'm trying to have fun and then I'm amazing at this. I like I'm on I you know I, I'm you know I missed the weekend to be good at Rocket League I haven't had a chance to invest to ever get good again. But like i am still on the Rocket
1: League Reddit because I love watching all the gifts of people with these insane shots and oh, yeah. blocks and all these other things. And the thing that stands out about that is that some of these things that they do we never even anticipated that would be possible. Yeah. That's one of the coolest things about the game is seeing people discover New elements to the title that we didn't even think was there. Like and watching playstyles evolve over time. In the beginning, it was people just rushing the ball and trying to score, and then people started realizing that they could do aerials, and then they could. And so you saw aerial play take over, and then turtling, which is where you're on your back. That sort of tur- took over when people started realizing how that they could do that, and now you're seeing a trend towards freestyling, where people are just doing crazy things in the air before scoring. Uh, and so it's really interesting to see to watch the audience evolve and the skill level evolve and what's taking. What sort of form is is overtaking on the competitive scene and the casual scene? Because it, it it's also different on both sides.
0: Yeah, for sure. Final thing comes from Dubinator. He says, no question, <laughs> just to thank you for helping make Rocket League. The game is
3: awesome. Oh, thank awesome. you, our pleasure. And I have a I have a quick one of the things I'm interested in, and I talked about this a little bit, and I, people have pointed me in the right directions. But people have developed into goaltenders in the game, right? Like that, like the mm-hmm. people play goal in the game, which I think is like so funny because it's so glamorous yet like so essential.
1: And it's it, it, it's incredibly important. Yeah. yeah. And then that's sort of what's that. That's one of the elements of the game that is uh, truly uh, organic about it. Is that the roles aren't assigned. We're not. We don't tell people you're a goalie and you're a forward and and you're a wingman. It, we don't do anything like that. We're just play and you figure it out. And the teams over time have now realized how important certain positions are and do it themselves. And they and different teams have different styles. And uh, but what's really great about it is that you now have this so, whole subset of goaltending players that do things that. Are absolutely unbelievable in terms of how they can get to the ball at the last second, and they can block it with just the butt end of their their car. I mean, some of these things are, are really spectacular, and our audience, our office, watches it together whenever there's a like a big tournament streaming, and uh, we freak out about because we, we we ourselves don't even anticipate some of the things that are going on in the game. So it's it's really cool watching the players just come up with these new techniques. And uh, we there was a point where we would do developers play against top players, and we would hold our own and win. Fifty percent of the time we always lose now. <laughs> <laughs> they're so good. They're, That's they're a good so sign. Good. Yeah. <laughs> All right.
0: Final topic of the day. Leaving the industry side to go mm. to the game side. Yeah. Now you're in a, a pretty unique position in that you are at IGN for so long. How long were we you at have? IGN?
1: Ten years. Oh my God. Ten years I was there. Ninety nine to two thousand nine. Before they had televisions. Dropping the water. Drop the bucket. <laughs> <All right. laughs>
0: I mean just talk about it. Like how how is it and like what's what are the major Maybe, differences do you miss and it? stuff?
1: I miss the people. Yeah. I, I I So my last day at IGN was very hard on me, not because I was leaving the job, but because I was leaving you and Colin and Chris Roper and Hillary Goldstein and uh, Fran Mirabella and Matt Kass Messina and all those other guys that we had worked with for so long because it felt like a true family. And that's, that's the hardest part. I actually prefer this side of the job much more because I get to enjoy games uh, as an observer. I don't know a whole bunch of things about games before they come out, which mm. is... Uh, took away from things like RPGs, which I love to play, and horror games and story-based games. And now I can just start from the beginning. I can choose how involved I am in the trailers and right. the unveiling of them. So I actually prefer it quite a bit. And I, I have a direct hand in how games are made, which is, as someone who uh, likes to write and likes likes to create, is a really good feeling when you are here's evidence of something I have done and other people are enjoying it uh, on multiple levels, be it game design or a story or... Uh, just the overall direction of certain elements of the game. I mean, th- those are all different things that I've been involved with since yeah. I left. And well, I mean, I worth pointing it.
2: out, you wrote Unit 13. I did. Yeah, for Vita.
1: I did, and yeah. that was a great experience for me because I learned a lot about how uh, just how much work goes into a story-based game sure. and how many different variables you have to account for, and there were 20,000 lines of dialogue Jesus. for that game, and we used, like, 500 <laughs> But it, it's <laughs> it's okay. Uh, th- we learned a lot in the process, and we had all of these things to choose from, and there was a lot involved in being able to be there for the VO recording and working with the director, and it, uh, it, it was it was a fantastic experience. And I got to meet lots of uh, people involved in in the Hollywood industry um, that were there that were also giving us pointers on on how to record good VO and make good dialogue, and um, so I, I was really happy. Every every little element of each game. Uh, that I work on has has taught me something new, which yeah. is, uh, I think, the sign of a good industry to be a part of, where no matter what you're doing, you're always learning something.
2: Agreed. Yeah.
0: Got a couple questions from the good old audience here. David Hanna wants to know, how much Beyond did you listen to after you left IGN? Uh,
1: not as much as I wanted you to. son of a bitch. I didn't listen to every episode. I did listen to some. It's, if my phone is over there, you can see it's, oh, it's on my subscription list. <laughs> um, uh, the real problem is time. Sure. and i would just get so involved in working that a lot of the stuff i used to do or watch watch or listen to regularly just went to the wayside but i would i would drop in and listen to these guys Semi-regularly, I'd say maybe once every two or three weeks.
2: It's the same thing for us now. I mean, I was talking about it when I when we were, for us, it was the commute. When we worked in Brisbane, mm-hmm. you know, IGN before it moved downtown and I had a huge commute, I listened to every IGN podcast. And granted, I was on the majority of them. Yeah. But I mean, like, if I wasn't on it, I would listen to it, right? So I like I was up on NBC and everything else, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then when we moved downtown, the commute got halved and I didn't feel like listening to ha- a podcast over eight trips or something, you know what I mean? Exactly. And then now we're just so busy, yeah, I don't have a chance
1: to listen to any of our friends. yeah. yeah. And that's and that. That's the unfortunate uh, downside of of just being busy. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Keeping on the topic of Beyond, Jose Lewis says, "What did you expect from Greg? From when Greg became the anchor in Beyond, and did the expectation become reality?"
1: I knew he'd do a great job. So, um, we had launched podcast Beyond. Uh, and nobody else wanted to do a podcast but us, if you remember. Nobody- I remember that it was the stupidest idea when you said it. We're going to
2: yeah. do, do, do a podcast for every channel. Yeah. It's little channel teams. And I'm like, that is so dumb. We have game Scoop. Why are we taking away from Game Scoop?
1: What are yeah. you doing? Uh, it worked out, though. I mean, it did. No, it it panned out quite well. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, but nobody wanted to do it. Yeah. And so uh, in the beginning, it was towel-forcing everyone to do it. And then I had to force everyone to do it. But it... I thought that at the beginning that it'd be a fun way for us to communicate with our fans in, in a way that we couldn't before, because at that time in 2007, is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. 2007, uh, podcasts were just, they were a new thing. Mm-hmm. They weren't used that often. And and so many people thought they were a waste of time. They, they, they did. Yeah. Um, and... Our video output was nowhere near as what it is on, on any website now. It was a big production. It took days and days and days for one video to come Saunice out. Sorenson squeeze overnight. Yeah, exactly. All the
2: shittiest trailers up. <laughs> <laughs> and they
1: made that, that giant uh, video processing uh, machine in the corner that yeah, cost yeah. tens of thousands yeah, of dollars. It yeah. took forever, and it would always go, go down. But... Um, it was an opportunity for us it was a really it was a nice way for us to reach out and we were looking at teams like the Nintendo team Matt and uh, at the time it was Matt and Bozon and Craig Harris and uh, and that was it yeah, right? I don't think Damon had swung over yet no no he was, he was still on the news yeah and um, they had a really good connection with their fans because they would just at the time they would find other ways to communicate them outside of our forums and uh, our PlayStation fans were just as interested and so it was a really good opportunity for us. And uh, the first episode was myself, Greg, uh, Chris Roper, and Jeff Haynes. And uh, I knew the second that uh, we were in the groove, which didn't take long because we worked together all the time. But it felt good. It's, it felt like a good episode that Greg would do very well and that all of us would do uh, a pretty good job of explaining what we need to do. Greg was obviously the standout because he was he is a lot more personable than any of the the other folks on the show. We were more about like getting the work done and some of us didn't want to be there. Um, But but I, I always talk about it, right? Well, the
2: reason I'm Greg Miller or at least the Greg Miller and I've had the success I've had, right? Is that, I was injected into IGN right as the old guard was starting to burn out. Yeah. And there was that thing where, you know, you know, Colin and Clements and everybody else followed by four months, five months later. You know what I mean? But I was that tip of the sword where Damon was there and he kind of needed a cohort cause he wanted to do all this video and yeah. podcasty stuff, but he had lost David. He had lost Kathleen, all these people. And then I got there and I was like, this is all I've ever wanted to do. I'll do everything. And I was staying, I'm doing SmackDown videos at two in the morning on Friday nights. And yeah. stuff, you know what I mean? And it was the thing of like, yeah, when you put me in front of the microphone, I, I was, the only person in that room right who had literally been on the outside two months before listening to podcasts right. and knew what they meant and what i liked that about podcasts
1: and well also you had it built in in that you were uh, just somebody who was interesting the reason i hired greg is because and you were bringing it up earlier in the uh, the show that uh we did this morning and that's that um you know we had so many applications coming through i would read them all i would read every application that we got because whoever i was going to hire to the editorial team uh was very important especially when they were working directly on on my team where at the time was just the playstation team and uh Gregg's was the only application that stood out to me uh as being interesting it made me laugh out loud for real when I was reading his newspaper articles that he submitted to me and I checked out his blog that he had um that he had going in the newspaper and that's why his uh i didn't send you the email until much later after you sent the the document because I was reading all of them and that was when I finally got around to yours something I think I' sent it to like 11 at night or midnight or whatever it was responded in like 15 minutes
2: (laughs) man and that's what i always talk about this story right is that you know on my gmail which is the email i started Right after I left Mizzou. So I'm sure there's a whole bunch of the old Mizzou account I had. But mm-hmm. on my Gmail at the time, this was my 13th application to IGN I always talk about, right? In the first 12, I didn't even get the courtesy of a rejection letter because everybody's just overwhelmed. And I was going yeah. for every job at IGN, right? And then, yeah, there was years where you contacted me at 11 or 9 o'clock, or, or even later, whatever, 11 yeah. o'clock my time. And uh, I responded. We did the interview the next day at lunch, and then I was hired on the road the next that day at 6 p.m. Yeah. So it was like my my life, my dreams all came true overnight. And yeah. I always talk about like in the interview with you and Roper, I remember. And I'm pacing in the basement of the news, the newspaper, <laughs> talking to you or whatever. There was a moment where I did the, well, yeah, you know what I've been doing on my blog is or on the on the blog for thing. And you said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I heard you guys shuffle papers. And you're like, we have them in front of us. And I was like, damn, like, that's awesome. I never thought they would have read them or anything like that. And then do you remember the question? I don't. The question was, yeah, we have them in front of us. Tell us, is this a character you do or is this really you? And I was like, sirs, that is the most me I do at this place. Because everything else was I'm like trying to be stoic and mm-hmm. cover whatever I'm covering for the newspaper. But the, the column and the blogs were my chance to be me so to get out there and have you read them already but i mean that blew my mind
1: well it showed and you can you can tell talent when you read it and and that's part of that's part of what just got him in the door and why he took off and why he did a good job of beyond because once he was part of the team you know energy and enthusiasm is infectious too other people just now want to get involved and like i want to be as excited as you are and talk about yeah. these things and so uh, once once that was within your hands and within your hands i knowing you guys as i do i knew it would be fine well, the
2: mm-hmm. funny thing too, and I don't know if you recognize it because I don't know. About, I mean, I, I thank you a lot, obviously, I hope. Uh, but like, one of the reasons I think for sure why Beyond was so successful, sure, for sure, I think, which then translates to why we're so successful is because when you started Beyond and you that was because you started and then had a, you immediately transcended and yeah, went was, up and Roper took over. Yeah. But the one thing you did is like, this is on everybody's calendar at this time. We yeah. are doing this. You don't miss this. And all the other channels were, ah fuck we'll get to when we get to it and there's been three weeks without a a three red lights or whatever you know what I mean and all this other stuff whereas like beyond was there consistently da 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 and that's why beyond grew and grew and grew until it was the number one podcast for IGN right yeah because it was you knew it was going to be there you and it granted it was like easy in a way because once you say that and you do that you know that you know what i mean and game couldn't be that because Dame was trying to get herd cats together to go oh, do yeah. it you know what i mean and then the other channels all had their own thing but like you established that which then i you know we carried over for beyond when i took over i carried over for beyond and then it's something we do here right we're like calling it live is this this day and like the days at least we <laughs> we sometimes have to be more malleable there's only five of us you so know yeah, I mean? the, yeah. the moral
1: of the story if for everyone listening is if you create a schedule and stick to it, you will become famous. Exactly. You'll become I mean, super that's, successful. That's very true.
0: I mean, I honestly, like, I've seen that time and time again Consistency, happen. right? Yeah. And I yes. mean, that was the thing of
2: like, you know, I always talk about it with, even with Beyond. When Roper left, or in, in, I took over and it was, you know, me, Clements, and Colin, I always talk about it. People always talk about like, oh, you guys were so great on Beyond and this, that, and the other. I'm like, yeah. But if you remember, Roper leaves in the one teens, one tens, mm-hmm. and I, it wasn't until 150 where I was like we have here's the logo this is the show we have a vibe and then it felt that's when it felt like everything was clicked into place because it was weird to go from being able to be the guy who just screams beyond and (laughs) sings a song at the end of the show to having to drive it and make sure it all
0: worked so when you were when this is also fascinating to me when you were making this like this is in such a different time when Uh you know podcasts weren't what they are now and like they weren't monetizable like it's not like they were making money i mean even when we were like leaving ign it's not like that was ever really figured out and like how does how do these audio podcasts make money um what was the goal like were you you were talking about like you know com- getting with the community and like yeah. being able to talk to them but like why were you like all right we need to make this a consistency thing because like that was still kind of a new idea then now it's a little obvious but back then it's like why why did you have that in your head of like we need to not fuck this up
1: well the Tal, Tal, who's the now the VP of Con? He was then too. So yeah, Tal, who's the VP of Game He's Games Some Content. super VP.
2: I don't even know what the hell he does over there anymore. <laughs> <laughs>
1: his, his whole initiative was uh, he wanted to have podcasts because they, you know, there was an opportunity for us to get into a space that not a lot of people were in, from a very, a very smart way to to approach it. And then each individual team had its own reasons why it wanted to or didn't want to do it. Uh, the reason I wanted to do ours in particular, the PlayStation stuff, is because it was really a good outlet for us to talk to our to our readers at the time, because there weren't really viewers, there were videos yeah, or few yeah. and far between in a way that we couldn't normally do. And it was a really nice kind of outlet. We'd we would just sit and talk about stuff as opposed to having to write a structured article. And even though our articles were already conversational in tone, it's it's much different when you're trying to remember this is forever. The people are reading this, this is representing the site and this is the official review or official preview or whatever. Whereas here, we were just sitting in a room, enjoying the company that we have uh, and the rapport that we have on a day-to-day basis, talking about stuff that we've been wanting to talk about all week long. Mm -hmm. And so it was really a combination of just being able to talk to the readers and just an outlet for each other, just to be able to, here's what's going on, what do you really think about it? Because up until that point, you don't really have time to discuss it outside of, what do you think they're going to announce? I don't know, maybe it's a new Uncharted which at the time really wasn't even a thing. maybe it's a new resistance or maybe it's a new <laughs> Ratchet and Clank or Jack and Daxter. Mm. So it really depended. It was a great way to connect. I mean, because you figure, like at the time,
2: IGN did not have comments on articles. You know what I mean? No. There was the mailbag, so maybe you're able to talk to five readers or whatever a day or whatever. You know what I mean? Or then even the boards. We you know we see it already on our kind dot slash forum, uh, where you know you go in to do this right, and it's like we know how hard it is to get somebody to click on a link. You know what I mean? To get somebody to go into IGN's boards at the time, sign up for them, have a conversation with you about what's happening in PlayStation, yep. it didn't work out that way. And I remember I remember when it was like, yeah, you published an article or a review, and you took the link, and you went to the boards, and you pushed it into the boards yourself. Yeah. You're like, hey, this is up. Go watch, you know, go look at it. So, like, when we, I'll never forget when we started Beyond and, like, how crazy it was when, like, the kid wrote in, and he's like, can I be the official fencer of Podcasts Beyond? <laughs> And we are like, I guess so. And then Jeff had a whole, like, the official Beyond Athletes. And somebody wanted to be the Beyond Runner and this, that, and the other. And some girl sent in a photo of her butt. She wants to be the official booty of Podcast Beyond. we're like, all right, whatever. It who was wants a clothes, to, it was who a wants clothes to be, butt.
0: Oh, clothes butts are good butts. Who wants to be the official booty of the Kind of Funny Games <laughs> Now, the cast? official, yeah. the, Let me ma- know. the
2: magic booty of Podcast Beyond you met. She was at Kind of Funny Live. She was there.
0: The magic booty. But Julia, I believe her
2: name. Julie, My Julia. My God, I, I love this. I love yeah. everything about this.
0: Yeah. I nominate Kevin. Just saying. <laughs> oh, come on. I don't want to see that. <laughs> so, I mean, what else is there? I mean, I, do you have any... What Colin, do you have any stories? Any questions about this? Oh, talking now stories. Th- this this, this stories. is now the origin of Beyond is the topic. Oh, okay,
3: so. okay, okay. Um, No, I mean, you know, I didn't... I wasn't on Beyond until, like, the 60s, I guess. And then I wasn't regular until right before 100. So, like, I wasn't there, and, you know, I was doing different things in the beginning... Um, it was really Roper and Greg that, that brought me in, but my history with Jeremy is just different because I've known Jeremy for, um, 14 years almost. So, and Jeremy was like my first contact really at IGN that I really got to like talk to and got to know. I met him for the first time, uh, my first internship in two thousand three, two uh, two offices ago. So we were on uh, Bayshore Boulevard, right? Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, so I was like, I was in that old, old office and Jeremy was Jeremy kind of, I don't know. I don't know why I never really asked. Uh, I don't know want to know. maybe want to know why, but uh, kind of took me under his wing in a way and taught me how to write better and, and introduced me to like a, a different kind of world and a different way of looking at games. And one of the things I respected about Jeremy a lot was, um, which I think people kind of look at me in the same vein and I don't know, I'm, I'm definitely not as knowledgeable, or whatever, but Jeremy really knows games. Like Jeremy has like an encyclopedic knowledge of games and I always really respected that cause I feel like I'm the same way with certain platforms and certain genres. Um, so it was always just impressive to talk to him about games and we have kind of similar interest in games too. So, um, I don't know, I just kind of had like a, always a brotherly love for Jeremy and, uh, it was definitely, um, you know, kind of really, you know, he was the first editor in chief I ever worked under um i guess tal kind of was editor-in-chief right at that time but you were really the first guy that like really that was kind of brief and then you took over and you took an interest in me and and uh, i definitely started to climb and i remember when you left and i remember how sad i was when you left and um because i kind of just i trusted you and um you just kind of gave me opportunities i wrote my first preview for you i wrote my first you know as an intern i wrote my first review for you and um which i think was God. Mega Man Collection? Yeah, Mega Man Collection, I think, was the first review. And I think Samurai Warriors or something was, like, the first preview or something like that. I don't
1: know.
3: Or, no, Siberia 2. Siberia. (laughs) With a Y. Yeah, Um, of course. And uh, so, I don't know. Jeremy just gave me a lot of my first opportunities. And so, like, being on Beyond, even though we were never on the show together much, was, before you left, uh, was kind of like a, it seemed fitting you know, in a way for the kind of the legacy. Yeah. Um, and it's amazing that, you know, I was 18 when I met Jeremy and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm 31 now. So it's been a long, it's been a long time.
1: God. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. Uh, I'm, uh, it's really weird to hear myself being talked about like that
2: it's not, it works I have so many stories and it's all, yeah. like as we go through all this it's like
1: he's like you're dead <laughs> 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 you're right there. I'm, now, I'm like is this like Sixth <laughs> sense <laughs> 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 it, no
0: it, it's cool though because you know I obviously started IGN like way way later like I started in
1: 2010 I think I when did you leave 2000? 2009
0: yeah so I, I started I, it was 2010 or 11 that I like was fully in so I was definitely after but like you're one of those names that's just like Everyone talks about you as if you're still there. You know what I mean? And like I always come thought about the was a Don't go in there. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, I'm I, but was what's always been interesting to me about IGN and anybody that is, you know, familiar with the people that work there or, you know, the, both from an audience perspective or actual personal level, like it IGN is this weird thing of it is a family and it is like different different little sects and groups that uh kind of have this like camaraderie together and like they grow together and it, it definitely it comes in waves, you know, and then there's like the old guard, there's the mid guard there's the whatever and it's like it, it was always interesting to me to hear to come in and kind of be be there for the end of the like as far as i'm concerned second era which is like the the you guys kind of you know getting in being the excited dudes sure sure sure. i come in when you guys are the grumpy old men sure you know and <laughs> we're the old guard burning exactly out. yeah, 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 yeah hear, and uh and it was it was such a different thing where you know that i look around and like me specifically um and everyone has different you know perspectives on the whole thing but i think that i came in at the perfect time as a video producer because that was when video was really ramping up like yeah. it went from you know not being a thing to yeah. just every like week or whatever there being a video to okay there's a lot of videos but how are we doing this to all of a sudden i was the 12th member of the video team and in the year from me starting there was 30 people on the video team. So it just like exploded. That's crazy. And I feel like that was the shift that you see from the writing to the podcast to then the video. And we kind of had that like camaraderie and like brothership. And like Eric Hart was the dude that I look at the way you talk about him where I'll I'll never forget the phone calls I had with him. I'm like pacing back and forth like, oh my God, like this is happening. He's impressed with the things that he's watched the videos I've made and he likes them. This is insane. And it's just, it's really cool to see how it's a legacy thing you know what i mean and like there are people that are always kind of reaching out to the next generation and that it is something that's been instilled somewhere along the line that it just keeps happening and it's like you did something you know what i mean like you definitely did did something it's like you and a lot of the the original og motherfuckers like you did something right and you adapted as much as you could and then when it was time when you're like i i have no more room to adapt you guys are going to adapt you pick the right people and it just kept going so I'm impressed, I Thanks. have to say.
1: Well, just uh, the, the big advantage that you guys have also when you talk about legacy is now because of your best friends and everything else that you, that just the amount of people you speak to, the legacy that you guys are now set up to have are the people that watch the show. Mm. And so uh, that's that's a really cool thing because now it's not just about people working with you directly. It's all the indirect influences mm. that you have and the people that listen to, to what you have to say and then might take that to become... Uh, something else, and and remember that you guys were the ones that helped them out. So that's that's one thing that's really cool about also about how the legacy of uh, of just what started at IGN way back when uh, when it was just a couple of guys in a basement trying to leave Imagine Games mm-hmm. when it was a publication, uh, and and where it's going in the future and what your what your viewers are going to do. That's kind of that's kind of cool, and yeah. I'm, I'm I'd be interesting to see. What the kind of funny people, uh, the audience? What is going to come of them, and what they're sure. going to do? And now cite cite you guys as being the ones that helped inspire and influence them. Um, I just, I'm just glad that I, I had some kind of positive impact on you guys. I, I I remember my time there as being very little sleep, yep, and uh, writing a lot of reviews and uh, eating a lot of chicken wings. That's about the whole thing. I remember it's overall good time that yeah. day
2: one. With you as my boss, I remember set the tempo of like you're like, all right, cool. When you get here, like I'll check in with you. And I got there, and Roper came down. And he's like, Dunham's in meetings. I'll, I'll walk you around." <laughs> that's see, and that's and that. Roper just walked around, flipping his lighter. And this is that, and this is yeah. that, this is that. and He's like, "Put your bag down. Here's a notebook and pen. You have a demo." And he shoved me in the demo room, <laughs> and it was people showing me a new controller. And in the middle of it, he comes in. He's like, yeah we already covered this. You don't need to worry about it." I was like, "All right." And, and I remember it was gonna be. And I'm like, "So am I going to talk to Jeremy? Because you're the only guy. I talk, am I going to talk to Jeremy?" And Roper's like, "Yeah, he'll be out of meetings eventually. He'll take you to lunch. No big deal." I'm like, "All right, cool and at like 2 30 you finally showed up you're like how's the first day and i'm like i'm hungry
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny because like again the the legacy thing for me my first day i come in and my i just get a a call that said i got a voicemail that just said hey report to fran marabella i'm like all right cool i go in i start asking like oh uh yeah just wait here whatever and i'm like every woman that walks by i'm just like (laughs) is this fran Fran? Fran?" (laughs) (laughs) eventually eric hart comes up he's like him? I'm like, yeah, he's like, Fran ain't coming. I'm like, what do you mean, Fran ain't coming? He's like, first off, Fran's a man.
3: Second off, like, he is just elusive and yeah. you'll yeah. meet him one day. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I think the, the one cool thing that I walked away from, I walked away with a lot of cool things from IGM because we wouldn't be here without them uh, and the opportunities that were given to us by a lot of people there, but the legacy of IGN PlayStation specifically. Um, is I think what drives well, at least the three of us and, and certain other people. So like the legacy of Jeremy and kind of the old guard through Roper and then you and then Jeff and Clements and me, the, the site basically died with me uh, in terms of it being the way it, it used the to. The old school PlayStation Like the way five, like yeah, when yeah. we left, that, that that whole mentality was is over um, as far as I can tell, which is fine. I mean, that's the way the internet goes, but it's interesting that that's our through line with each other. Sure. Um, and also I think, you know, obviously I always look at the podcast beyond we did as like kind of a, the golden era of the show, just in a selfish way because it was ours. Um, you know, like the way we did our show, which we don't do. Yes, yeah, yeah. I love you. It's not to say the show is is any less valid now or any less popular because it isn't. But like, I look at back on those things and I'm like, there are things that bind us. The hard work that, like, it's like building a foundation and then building on top of it four mm-hmm. by four mm-hmm. or whatever to where you know it, it still exi- it always exists in perpetuity. But it, it just it really did live and die with only like seven or eight of us. And that's it. And you know, we're the only ones that can ever understand that yeah. like that particular part of the channel. And I'm so proud of you know you talk about the old squad GN64 and all that kind of stuff was really. Nintendo was really with Casa. Really was what made IGN popular. Mm-hmm. But by the time we were done, IGN PlayStation was we we surpassed IGN Nintendo and became really the the, the at the apex of what the site was known for. And IGN was PlayStation And I'm super fucking proud of that because that yeah. came through a lot of honest hard work and just honesty and candor. And knowledge and all those kinds of things. So I always look back at that era and be like, we like really did, you know, by the time Roper left and it was me, Greg and Clements and Jeff had been gone as well. And you were gone. Like we really did run. We really did run that ball down the, the defense's fucking throat in terms of, you know, in terms of like, <laughs> right. Cause we like never we really I mean, did. Like, I, I, I'm so proud of like what we did. Like we really, really fucking did a and month
2: in like, you know, Dunham's like thing to me at work was like, all right, cool. Now you need to get an exclusive a week. And I was like, oh shit, fuck. You know what I mean? And I remember thinking that was going to be hard. And then I'd call somebody like, you have a new PSP game. Can I get exclusive screens? Like, yeah, how many do you want? I'm like, oh, uh, uh, (laughs) as many as you'll get. You know what I mean? But like, it was that thing where it's like, because back in the day, back in our day, Mm -hmm. it was right, like, PlayStation team versus Nintendo versus yeah. Xbox and you did compete for traffic and who was doing better Absolutely. and who had the most exclusives and that was the thing is like you imparted that you know you and Roper already had that you imparted it into me I imparted it into Colin Clements was already imparted with that you know what I mean and it's like so even when everybody else is like that's not who we are anymore like the fuck we aren't <laughs> how many yeah. goddamn exclusives can we get this week yeah that's, that was the thing is that we they wanted us to let like,
3: go for a long time I think and we just wouldn't and yeah. I think that it, I think with a wink and a nod it kind of was like for the best for everyone because sure. I they realized, you know, who the who the hell knows really? But I to me, it's like, you know, we like to me, I was like, no, like, when, by the time Greg became one, I said, like, This is mine, like, like, I we built this, like, no one else helped us do this, mm-hmm. you know, and so, like, I'm not letting this go, especially with IG and Vita, which, like, we like we really did build by ourselves, like, no one gave and, and Vita coverage stopped, like, we really did become the hub for Vita only a few months after they then came out because everyone was like, ah, fuck it, and and we were like, no, no way, we're reviewing every game. <laughs> Star Drone Extreme reviewed. You wow. know what I mean? Yep. Like, like I had I'm, to fucking do
0: off-cam video goddamn Oh, God shit. forbid you fucking worked there. It was there. the worst. It was the goddamn worst. Air I got didn't you. forget. You're you fucking for sitting there with your goddamn feet up on the thing playing Persona, and I'm just
3: like... <laughs> Great.
2: And, and, I, finish, and I finish and I finish and you're like, all right, time to move. I'm like, no, no, I got Stammers persona. I want to show yeah. you some other cool stuff. Exactly. Great.
3: <laughs> but, Great. but a lot of it but a lot of it a lot of it came from a hard work and, and a lot of pride, but it also came from a lot of like, well, I don't want this to die with legacy. me. Legacy. There was a legacy.
2: Well, like this yeah. was given
3: to me and I don't want this to die with me. I don't care how the things are changing. Like we still dominate in traffic and like I still take ownership over this stuff, whether or not you want me to or not. Like I'm going to. Yeah. So it's, it's But that's the funny
2: thing. I mean, like so with Dunham here and this, you know, legacy in this line we have right here is that, you know, even though IG and changed how they ran teams or whatever like I always felt like you know when it, for wrestling, you'd pass that torch to me, right? For better yep. or worse, because I was I was I did a uh, talk recently at a developer about internet hate, and I looked <laughs> up and like, sure enough, the boards were still like it was never been the same since Mikaze I, <laughs> 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 I was like, oh, oh god, uh. you shell shocked veterans <laughs> here. But it was the same with PlayStation, <laughs> where I came in as that young guy, and you totally like introduced me to everyone there, and then like I gr- re- you know went up with those people. Like that was always the thing. By the time I got there, and other people were like, man, how are you getting exclusives on this, that, and the other? I'm like. Well, I've been with... I remember when me and this PR girl were at the bottom, and now she's working on Uncharted 3. So it's like, of course, they're going to want... You know, we help each other out. But even when that change or whatever like that's a that playstation relationship is still a relationship we have because of that you know what i mean like it's just like the way we try to make the trains run on time here and there's always going to be a fucking podcast probably not always going to be a conor reg live obviously because that's a different kind of show and a different thing but in terms of the podcasts are always going to be there when we say they're going to be there right mm-hmm. ps i love you xoxo is going to be there at 9 a.m or live on twitch but there's going to be we're going to tell you why and what's happening. Right. And it's the same thing with like those relationships came with me. And I still have that, that connection with, you know, PlayStation, we, you know, that was the big thing when we were leaving, right? Like, well, are you guys going to have the same access? And like, you know, PlayStation gave us two 20th anniversary PlayStation fours, right? Because we are the PlayStation guys. We are that PlayStation voice. And it, and it, that was what the other refreshing thing was. And what I like so much about working now is like when we left and we were worried about the other companies, Xbox and Nintendo came to us, everybody came to us. Cause they knew, knew that like now for them, like this weird thing, it changed because IGN was so siloed in terms of what you do or who you talk to. Now everyone could talk to us about getting coverage. You know what I mean? And yep. It's because we have this positive image in the in the industry because of the work ethic instilled by you. If that makes sense.
1: Thank you. But you know, the thing that sends that more, I think, to people is that you care, that you actually mm. care about covering the product, and that's the key. That a lot of sites and and personalities and everyone everyone who's involved in trying to get some kind of attention. Uh, doesn't realize is really the key is just caring about what you're talking about and caring about the audience that you're, you're speaking to. That's really the secret ingredient. And the thing is, is that you can't just make it appear that way. It has to be legitimate because they'll see right through it otherwise. And that has always been the biggest strength, especially their beyond their version of beyond is that you guys have always generally cared about your audience and about what you're talking about. And I think that that is the, that is the reason that you guys are on the number one PlayStation podcast. And that's the reason why you guys have found success. it's not, because of any legacy that I might have instilled with you, maybe a little bit in just the, the idea of, um, Nuts and of beating into you, the, the idea of covering something. Um, but it's it's been about you guys as a team understanding what it is that you need to do and doing what you love to do and letting other people know how much you love it and letting them love it with you. That's, that's the real key, I think. Definitely. That's
0: a great place to stop. Ladies and gentlemen, that topic brought to you by Loot Crate. Loot Crate is a monthly subscription box service for epic geek and gamer items and pop culture gear. For less than $20 a month, you get 48 items that include licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, unique one-of-a-kind items, and more. Make sure to head to lootcrate.com slash games and enter code KF games to save $3 on any new subscription. Loot Crate's more than just a subscription service. It's an entire community of fans that share their experience, and interact with each other around the unboxing of each month's crate. And they guarantee at least $40 value in every crate, sometimes way more than that. Every month, there's a different theme and all items are curated around that theme. This month's theme is versus celebrating some of the greatest rivalries in pop culture, including, but not limited to dark Knight versus man of steel, alien versus predator Spock, Versus Mere Universe, fuck
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Daredevil versus Punisher and Harley Quinn versus dot, dot, dot. Everyone. Because Harley, exclusive Harley items, has no allegiance. You yeah, see. No, no, she's, no, crazy. She's, she's crazy. She'll go she, anywhere and she's find crazy. Okay. Our exclusive items include something you can display, something you can wear, and something you can use. And don't forget our and loot pin. Remember, you only have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate. And when the cutoff happens, that's it. Jack, it's over. So, go to lukecrate.com slash kfgames and then kf kfgames to save $3 on your new subscription today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having You've me. You've been a great guest. This thank has been you. a great episode. I always love episodes that don't go how I have them planned. Oh, sure. Because then you know it's like, all right, this conversation, conversation went somewhere great. good. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, thank you for that. Thank Thanks you for, for everything. Me. Thank you for making these guys fucking awesome guys because they're helping <laughs> me become an awesome guy. You are an and awesome guy. It's
1: all guy. great. Oh, shocks, great. I'll take the credit, but it's all them. Where can people find you? Uh, they can find me at Denim Smash, but more importantly, they can find our game uh, at Rocket League and rocketleaguegame.com and on YouTube slash rocketleaguegame.
0: There you go. Heard it there, motherfuckers. Till next time. I love you. That topic was sponsored by Audible. Do you love books, but find that you never have time to read them? Well, Audible.com is the perfect solution. Get audiobooks and listen to those books you've been meaning to read while on the go. At the gym during your commute, Audible.com provides over 180,000 titles from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, magazine and newspaper publications, and more. Their app's free and works on iPhones, iPad, Android, Windows Phone, all that stuff. You can also download and listen on your Kindle Fire and over 500 MP3 players. And unlike a streaming or rental service with Audible, you own your books, so you can access your books anytime, anywhere, right from your smartphone. Audible.com also has the great listen guarantee. If you decide you don't like the book you choose, don't worry, you can exchange... Anytime. If you're not happy, you'll get another one. It's great. No questions asked. And just for listeners, Audible.com is offering a free 30-day trial membership. Go to audible.com slash kfgames today to start your free trial. Again, show your support for Kind of Funny Games and get a free 30-day trial at audible.com slash kfgames.